What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Season Gaming Bitcast, episode 196. I'm your host, Ainsley Bowden, joined by the full crew as always, or not as always, but this week anyway. To my right, Mr. Dan Rodriguez, the man, the myth, the seven. What's happening? Oh, I like that one. The man, the myth, the seven. I'm good, man. Go. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We got to explain that. Hogue doesn't know the seven. Yeah, Hogue doesn't so. know the seven joke. So uh, yeah. Dan reviewed Assassin's Creed Valhalla for us, which, as you can imagine, was a big release at its time. right? And he gave it a seven, which was on the lower end of the curve for that review scale. And it became kind of synonymous with both season gaming and him as a reviewer. So uh, he is now known as the seven. We have an actual mm -hmm. shirt that is... A seven in the Assassin's Creed font. Mm -hmm. um, so season gaming, yeah, with the seven right in the middle. Yeah, I love it. Seven. So no, uh, I didn't yeah. know this story. Seven <laughs> is within the range of reason for uh, yeah. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I would, I would have probably given Valhalla a seven. That sounds like the right score. It's probably yeah. like an eight for me, but it's it's within like the totally acceptable, you know, as if I'm the so. arbiter of what's fine. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> I I, I, read, I read his review and you know we talked about it and I was like it, it all sounds fair to me. So yeah, the best thing about it was when uh, it was direct to you, yeah yeah Elliot, put, he, Elliot. Elliot yeah Elliot he put like a, a quick like a video together with where it has the uh, you know this is what you know whatever the sizzle, the sizzle, the sizzle reel of the review yeah. scores yeah yeah and then it had like mine like would pop up and it was like yeah it was mediocre. <laughs> you know and that was gosh i wish i i got to go back and find it it was so good i no, thought so that, yesterday i'll save it that's yeah. awesome yeah no i i'd long thought that you should have counter sizzle reels that you could make a, a channel completely about taking all the the worst quotes and doing it in the yes. same way that the that the sizzle for the that the publisher would put together with mm -hmm. all the best quotes um yes. and then that would be an amusing kind of satirical website oh. or, or channel yeah yeah. That would be a that would be a channel of oops all Travis reviews for sure. <laughs> that would be one of the joke videos versions of it, right? We'd be doing and the year twenty twenty one, and it's just IGN Travis quotes. It's like, he had a tough year, folks. <laughs> Speaking of Travis, you know him well, Mister Tie Guy Travis. Good morning, sir. McClunky. Nice to see all of your smiling faces this morning. Love y'all. Mm. <laughs> and last but certainly not least host of virtual legality the hogue man himself good morning sir hey there i'm excited today we have so many fun things to talk about <laughs> i've been so impressed this year by just the continuing flow of really interesting and fun video games uh you know yeah disregarding whatever travis is reviewing most weeks mm -hmm. uh but yeah it's it, it's been so much fun and friday was one of those days where you could easily spend $200 going and buying video games. And yeah. I, I'm going to say not regret it because the games are good, but you probably regret it a little bit uh, <laughs> when you come back with the $200 bag of games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was uh, one of those awesome Fridays. I, uh, I got my bonus from work. I didn't have to work. We had awesome games come out had a three day weekend and uh, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. It was yeah. Beautiful. Friday off. What, what was that about? I just, just it, it's oh, our com it's our company bonus day so it's oh, like got it. you, you knock work out early in the morning and then everyone just kind of has a happy hour and celebrates and that type wow. of thing. so pretty cool pretty cool how glad doesn't do that 
four, yeah, harsh. Four, four day work week, like some sort of European country. Oh, I wish. Doing I yeah. wish. Four My day day work. Absolutely not. Seven yeah. day work week for life. What up? <laughs> good morning, chat. Good to see everyone, all the regulars here. I hope everyone is doing well and having a good weekend. So we've got quite a bit to talk about today because, as we said, we've got some great game releases we're going to talk about. And Travis actually reviewed uh, Tiny Tina's for IGN. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about, obviously, the news of the next Witcher game coming from CD Projekt Red. What to expect there. I'm going to give you some of the uh, kind of lore behind uh, the very limited information we've gotten, but what to expect from a game perspective. We, of course, I'm going to get beat up over the Halo TV show, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that. We've got uh, some updates for uh, Gran Turismo um, based on what we discussed last week. We've got PlayStation acquiring another studio and a couple major game updates as well. So, guys, let's go ahead and get into what we're currently playing. Like we said, so we had Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, we had Ghostwire Tokyo, and we had Kirby and the Forgotten Land all released on Friday. Just a beautiful, beautiful day. Travis, let's start with Tiny Tina's because you reviewed it. Um, I am playing and I'm probably six hours into it, something like that. Played a little co-op on Friday night. You got um, that working, did you? Yeah, geez. Well, and even worse is that I was playing. One guy was on PC. I'm on Xbox, you know. So we had the crossplay, oh. and Shift was messing up. We had to use Discord for chat, like on my phone, while I'm playing on my Xbox. So it was messy. But we finally I tried to connect with my brother all weekend, every single day. Uh, we're yeah. gonna try again today. No, 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 no goodness for online connectivity in, in Tiny Tina's Wonderland, at least on Xbox. This is specifically no, it, the uh, the the cross the cross play that's not working no no or? we're both on xbox I, when it started out so like friday night into saturday afternoon there was like the shift system was down gearbox yeah. was actually giving mm. updates on that it came back and then you could get into the social screen but it was just saying like the session wasn't didn't exist that kind of thing mm. um so i'm sure it'll be fine it's the nature of the beast at this point in time yeah um, the little they use that shift program and, and they they the most annoying part about it is when it's down, right, it takes a while to log into the game to put you in offline mode. And then once you're in the game, it does a background check like every 30 seconds to try and reconnect. And it says shift is offline. Which actually thing. stutters the game. It hurts yeah. the frame rate. So, that like, it, it kept, like, stuttering. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, again, I'm, I'm kind of in that area of my career so i'm like what are you guys doing with this design like come on man yeah um but anyway um it'll be fine eventually it will they it will randy pitchford came out and said that borderlands 3 launch had over a million concurrent and their shift system like server setup was fine so they thought they would be good for this but the numbers have blown them away so at least it seems as though a lot of people were interested in this game and they're you know that's selling obviously extremely well so that's yeah. because it's better than borderlands <laughs> <laughs> so hot takes well I, I hear what you have to say travis because obviously reviewed it but i'm really enjoying it i like the writing and the fantasy aspect better than borderlands 3 right now personally yep. um and um, i'm having a lot of fun with the combination of classes and spells and you know all this goofy kind of D D fantasy stuff so i'm really liking it but uh i know you yeah. gave it a pretty solid review as well yeah, I gave it an 8 out of 10, which is great at IGN. Great. Uh, and um, yeah, I, for all kind of the same reasons, I think the all-star cast is the highlight. Mm -hmm. The voice acting is incredible. The writing is really good. It's just a very funny game. Even if the the combat wasn't as hilarious as it is and, and over the top, it would still be worth your time just because 
you get to hang out with like Andy Samberg a lot. Like that's, you know, if you like doing that, that's, it's a great way to spend your time. Um, but yeah, we, I, I played it with a group. I, they were, I was very fortunate. They gave me four review codes. So I just gave one to, you know, my friends and we all just ran through the game together. Um, playing it in co-op is super fun. The multi-classing uh, scenario is, is pretty interesting how you can choose two separate. I don't know if you guys have gotten there yet, but you can choose like a second class on top of your first one. And then well, I can uh, see all the slots on the menu for that. Second yeah. Class. Yeah. I've seen the items where like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why would it affect? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So it, 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 I, I went with uh, the, the spore warden um, That's the mushroom guy. And then I, and then on, and then, yeah. And then on top of that, I chose uh, the, the wyvern uh, one where you, where you have like a pet dragon. So I've got just like two boys just flying around doing DPS. And then uh, it just turned out that one of the people I was playing with, uh, Brian Malkowitz, shout out to him, uh, fire team chat, a veteran. Uh, he uh, chose the exact same classes as me, both of them. And so we just like had so many NPCs on screen running around, killing things and reviving us and stuff. It's very fun. Um, so yeah. It was uh it was really cool. Um my my criticisms with the game are mostly like because it's a game within a game, nothing matters in the story. Right. Like none of the characters really go through anything or or experience yeah. any growth. It's a very like kind of by the numbers like fantasy story, like, oh, you gotta kill the bad guy, and then you know, you get to there's an ending that I think you guys all kind of can assume, even though you haven't played it, you know what that is. Um, but yeah, it uh it it's it's a story overall story is a little bit weak and then um, you know, it just kind of relies on the Borderlands formula like quite a bit. Like it, it's kind of the same game as Borderlands 3. That said, the fantasy setting does, I think, work better than Borderlands 3. Not better than Borderlands 2, though. Let's not get crazy. Come on. Uh, well, I like but, the yeah. writing better. I mean, I, I have the same issue with Borderlands 2. I have the same issue with Borderlands in, in general of the comedy there was trying to be edgy and, and various things. That I, What jumped out at me in playing Wonderlands that I I didn't see comedy on as much is, I, you know, I, I'm a little standoffish about playing games in front of my kids, for instance, and Borderlands got to a place where it's definitely not. Yeah. Wonderlands is significantly chiller right from the start. They still do a, a few risque things and maybe they do worse as it goes. Uh, but the thing that jumped out at me was, especially coming off of Borderlands 3, is like it's it's much more witty. It's it's witty humor uh, as opposed to like whatever whatever you would call the humor in, in Borderlands 3 and to some extent like the pre-sequel. Bad. Um, <laughs> you might call it bad. Oh, Borderlands <laughs> 2's humor is really good. Oh, Come 2 on. is good, but 3 was... 2 is was, like a, was a masterpiece bad. for me. Well, uh, I like bad. 2, um, and I haven't played 2 in a long time. Uh, but, yeah, and, and part of that's the cast, right? I mean, Andy Samberg and Will Arnett are, yeah. are top of game. Will Arnett is basically being the Lego Masters host throughout the entirety of, of the game, as it, as it sounds. Good, yeah. uh, so that's that's enjoyable. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's a crazy cast. Wanda Sykes is fantastic. Yeah, well, that's um, good. So I, I just found the humor, and humor is a subjective thing, right? I found it very palatable. It's it's much closer to um, it, uh, witticisms and, and it, smart it intelligence. It definitely is closer to, like, a kid-friendly game. So if that's a factor that matters, you're going to like it more. Because it, it's rated T for teen, which is new for Borderlands. So Is it? See, I didn't even yeah. check it. I didn't even yeah. think to. I put my headphones on, which is my which is dad's way of going in and saying, no, the speakers shouldn't be on for this one. And then I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm like, well, they're not, they're not swearing. Like that comes off right at the top. And, and you're like, I wonder if this is aimed at a broader, lower demographic. Um, so I was yep. about, I, I forgot I was going to check to see if it was T because usually I it let is, my kids. T for teen. Yeah. And, and at Bor Borderlands has never had cursing uh, explicitly. There's one character that 
laces all of his words with profanity, but he gets bleeped. Um, so for and and that is that character is also in in uh, Wonderlands, and he also is is bleeped out. So yeah, there you go. yeah. So they went they went T for teen, which I think is the right choice for a fantasy setting. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's good, man. I I really like my time with it. It feels like a year ago I played it because the <laughs> review was really yeah. early access. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Also. If you get to that end game, don't sleep on it. Uh, it it has some surprises that I did not talk about in my review, but there's uh, some secrets to discover. So uh, holla at your boy if you get Love to it. the end, and I'll Love I'll it. tell you um, I'll tell you the stuff I know. So nice, nice. How much? How, how long is it, Travis? I mean, like... it's not very long. Uh, you can beat the story in like 15 hours, maybe 20, uh, and and it has some padding where it forces you to level up a little bit, and then. Um, uh, the entire game, I think it took me like 50 hours to, to review it. Like I, I did a lot of the end game and, you know, played through, there's like the thing called myth rank, which is basically the exact same thing as Bad Diablo three. Right? Yeah, no, no. It's like, it's just Diablo three's myth rank. It's called the exact oh. same thing as well, where you have the four trees and it makes you spend one point in each and you go around and it's, oh, the, it's the exact same, yeah. exact same system as that. And then it also uses like the, uh, the, um, randomly generated, uh, dungeons that that sort of system that diablo has as an end game it has a very similar like you're doing random combat encounters and oh, all and stuff. oh yeah that. dude if, if you like diablo system like they yeah. just put diablo inside of <laughs> borderlands it's ridiculous Love so, it. that just yeah. made me more excited because yeah. i i can't even remember what are they called now uh riffs they're called riffs in diablo um yeah i've played those for god hundreds yeah and Wonderlands, they're called the Chaos Chamber. It's the endgame activity. And not only does it do um, like random encounters where you can choose how hard it is and that determines yes. how, what type of loot you get, but there's also secret encounters that can be unlocked if you solve puzzles within sweet. that. And so, yeah, it's pretty sweet. That's awesome. Pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Dan, you're typically a pretty big Borderlands guy. You playing this? No, I am not. I'm not sure why I didn't get up. I think I forgot it came out. <laughs> <laughs> Basically what happened... And I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's one of those ones that I'm I'm kind of on the fence on. Okay, you know, I'll probably. I mean, I buy everything else. I don't know why I haven't got it yet. To be honest, um, it's really enjoyable. It yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It sounds like everybody's enjoying it. So the problem is, I got MLB coming out tomorrow. And God, is that tomorrow? Jeez. Well, it's four day early access for the. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the diamond the, platinum edition, whatever it is, whatever yeah, they call so, it. So I'll be in that for months probably you won't see him again people yeah. go that they get into the show are in the show for a solid three months yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know I, I would not have guessed that dan's dan was uh, the show guy that's pretty interesting Big cubs that's, fan man he's a cub yeah. that's, that's the only reason i bought a playstation originally was for the show so you and can live in a world like, oh, where the cubbies are can win a match <laughs> yeah they, they win a game they're not that far removed hey, from their last World what? Series. In the game, they can win as many games as you want, Dan. Yeah, That's it's bad news. Born in Chicago over here. Chicago. Big Cubbies fans. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, we've got we've got two that's re actually really funny i hadn't thought about travis is we've got two chicago uh people there and then you and i i was born in san francisco so we've got two we got san francisco and chicago here two and two that's funny are you a giants fan Ains, or did you yeah. abandon us okay good good, yeah, good. I, I mean it's not like we got much to root for here in kc I, yeah i stopped uh i mean i stopped watching baseball when i reached the age of reason but um you know i, I Aren't you guys one year removed from a super bowl Come at me for Southeast Michigan, all right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We're well. Oh, the World G, Series. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The World Series was uh, 
I, the three times they won the World Series that were like all within like a four year span. That was my college year. So, dude, like that was like that was I had the perfect window for one that of those sport. was the Tigers. See, I'm older. I lived through the damn 90s, right, with Bonds era and all that, and they never won a World Series. I stopped watching baseball, and they went three. And it's like, oh, come yep. on. Yeah. No, no, enjoy the show. Yeah, no, I, Tiny Tina's, to me, more so than I had expected, is effectively delightful. I'm not a laugh-out-loud type guy, but they surprise you, like, constantly with just random lines yeah. that are very witty nerd humor. Yeah. Uh, and and if you like that at all – I. I have laughed out loud and it's an, it's amusing to play it with someone else. So we couldn't get connected. I was on with my brother this weekend. So we're just playing solo, but with our Xbox party on. Right. And occasionally, you know, we're, ch we're, we're chilling. We're doing our own thing. You just get these like snorts and guffaws yeah, yeah, across yeah. your, across your sound. I'm like, what, what, what was that? He's like, wait till you get to the drawbridge. It's like, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. There's also uh, <laughs> some really, really good jokes. If you play tabletop RPGs, which I have been a game master for like 20 years. So that's like if if you if you've played like a D and D campaign or you know like the tropes of being a game master, it it does it it does all of them like every every joke you could do. It also has a lot of references to like online um, nerd shows. I caught like a Dungeons and Daddies reference in there. Like yeah. a, I don't know if you guys listen to like uh, D and D podcasts or at all, but it's got like a yeah. lot of it's got a lot of like nerd podcasts. See, I don't I don't listen to that many either. I'm not like that level, but my girlfriend is and she was like, "Oh, this is a reference to that." And I was it's just awesome. like, "All right, man. I trust <laughs> you. I trust that." It's I, my good. favorite part, well, not my maybe not my favorite, but the coolest thing I'd love is is how Tina will it, it keeps you in that mindset of you are in a tabletop RPG because she constantly comments or makes things happen in the world. Oh, that's the best. I that was that. the best in Dragon's Keep. That's the it was, this, is too, yeah. this is too nice. Now it's a storm. They're yeah, yeah. It just goes it starts whipping around. That's the best. Yeah. Have you guys gotten to the ocean part where you have to cross the ocean? Not me. Um, All right. I, I, I literally saved my game before it just as we started. Okay, that's my favorite part of the game. You're going to get to that. And if you play Dragon's Keep, it, it fulfills a promise that was made in Dragon's Keep in a really awesome. good way. So that, that's like my favorite part of the campaign. I, I really enjoy it. It, it. it puts a smile on your face, which is all I can ask for the experience. Yeah. And those, that's what is funny. Some of the guys in chat, Elu and Jordan and stuff, we're, we'll be playing together. And he said it's comfort food, man. It's a comfort food game. You can turn it on. You can just have a laugh with it, have fun with friends. That's what I love about those games. They don't have to, to your point, Travis, you're not looking for this mind-bending story or right you know what i mean it's just fun it's just fun. i don't know some some borderlands games give you that though i think borderlands 2 like it it well, tricks you it, quite good yeah it tricks you into thinking that it's not a serious story and then it actually has like emotional moments and i think wonderlands is missing that but um it, it still is very good it's comfort food it, it's a it's a popcorn uh type of game yeah so. yeah yeah very good i want to talk guys a little bit i don't know if anyone else is playing it but ghostwire tokyo i love it to death let's talk Let's nice. go. Let's go. It is so good. I love Ghostwire Tokyo. It. Love it. It is. So I, I always wanted to check it out because I love creepy stuff. I love weird stuff, right? And what I didn't expect, I don't know about you, Rick, what I didn't expect is how much it, it uh, pulls from Japanese kind of culture and myth and legend and actually kind of tells you the real history of these things in their culture like it, i it, love codexes this has a sweet codex for all this stuff about about japan because i start this game right and first of all it is immediately sexy and cool like it, it yeah. starts out and you're like wow what is this stuff how are those ghosts this is all very cool and then i'm you, you know the very first people you fight are they have umbrellas they have no faces they look awesome and i can't tell whether i can get any more information about them so i'm playing with my daughters yes 
Again, I check for tea. They like spooky stuff. Um, and I'm like, I want to know more about these. Cause like, that's a, that's a really cool setup for these monsters. And you have to wait a little bit. This is, this has one of my favorite things in UI in gaming, which is that they don't have the full menu with just blanks. Uh, they, they add tabs as you oh, go yes, through the yes, game. Yes. That's, my, that's one of my favorites. Um, and so then they add the fact, oh, you can check out what these things are. And they have this like just little light. Oh, this is what these ghosts are. And they have anxieties uh -huh. about this. And this is how they became these. Um, and it's just so good. And then you pick up, you know, like a toy sports car. And it'll just give you a short description while you're in play, which I really like. This is really smart. One line, hey, it's a toy sports car. You go into your inventory and then you get like a whole thing about why Japan loved toy sports cars and like this, this whole stuff, just that alone, without talking about evil within or fear or anything else and, and the spookiness and the weirdness and some of the other stuff. That's just so cool. You get an entire description of why they like tuna mayonnaise rice balls uh, <laughs> and, and things like that. And it's one of the few games that I'm playing on uh, non-English because here's a really smart thing they do. They default you to Japanese. So yeah. I get used to it before I'm like, you know, honestly, did they actually record English? So I'm, I played it for like an hour and a half. I said, oh, they do. They have English. Let's try it out. And I'm like, nope. Nope. That looks a little spice for me. I go back to Japanese. I jumped in there to talk about it. But I this is the most surprising game for me in a while in how much I like it. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm probably very similar. I was trying to think if there's another, as you said that, I was like, is there another game that surprised me this much? Recently, and I don't think so. Um, I, I was raving about it to uh, some friends in chat the other day, and I've I've got I don't know how far you are. I've got maybe I think five or six hours. Pretty I'm playing Tiny Tina in it back and forth. Those are my and, two games right now, and and Kirby. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't know what my time is. It's going to be right around there, six okay. or seven. But it's just yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I could just praise about it. It's just really really cool so far, and I didn't expect the. So there's a lot of exploration in the city, a lot of verticality, and you can kind of find stuff hidden all over. And I love finding the relics, like you said, and and some of the actual encounters that you have with the these different ghosts and spirits, and which still have like these uh, historical stories tied to them. Uh, it, it's just it's really really cool. And then some of the game, of course, is a complete mind f because it's tango, and that's what they do. And I love that. You know, that what I but that I wasn't expecting. Right, I'm looking up at Ghostwire. And it looks like somebody came into my comments and said, <clears throat> isn't that just like Shadow Warrior in Tokyo? And it's easy to see how you can get there where it's like goofy <laughs> and whatnot. It's like if you play the first two hours of this, you think you're in fear, F-E-A-R, or Evil Within, uh, perhaps a more apt comparison. Uh, because it's trying to be spooky and it's trying to do all these yep. things and it's got shadows that jump out at you and all this stuff. And it's like it's a great feeling. And then later on, you'll be searching for cats in a random market while listening to, you know, uh, K-pop. Uh, in the in the music that they gave you or whatever. So it, it's got all these weird tones, uh, but it's just so, so cool and unique. I mean, I, I think what you could complain about it is, is it's, you know, you know it's it's Far cry E. It's a, it's a map with icons uh -huh. um, and doing that kind of thing, but it has such a cool flavor to it um, that I think it's very enjoyable. I, I, the other thing, I guess, is <laughs> the combat's going to take a minute for you to enjoy because it's kind of slow and uh, geographical more than twitchy. Uh, it's 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 spatial awareness yeah. of various things flying through the air and whatnot uh, more than it's you know Tiny Tina's uh, or Call of Duty or whatever it is that you you like to play. So it's its own thing, um, and I can certainly see it potentially not working for everybody. Uh, but if you are interested in novelty, if you're interested in cool, and, it, and it's sexy as hell. I mean, there's neon lights everywhere going all <laughs> which ways. The monsters are awesome. The spirits are cool. The backgrounds are sweet. 
then I think you should check it out. It's yeah. as best I can tell seven hours in it's set up as essentially a, a your princess is in another castle uh, type uh, go, go after the bad guy and save the princess type game, um, which is simplistic. And they might do some stuff on top of that. They will. I mean, let's be frank, uh, but it's, it's so good. I, I have, it's one of those games where I have thought about it when I'm not playing it the Me most too. I can remember in a long time. Uh, and that's just so cool. I, yeah. You know, my brother and I, as I said, we're playing Tiny Tina's and I'm, I'm tell I'm talking to him about uh, Ghostwire. And he's like, yeah, I know. Uh, Cause he works, he works at Zenimax. He's like, I, I got Ghostwire like a month ago. I was like, you could have gotten one for your brother. Uh, no, so, no, no, no dice. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, I'm with you, 100%. Uh, really loving it. So I'm excited to get back to it, hopefully later tonight. Um, but um, it it's really has surprised me. Uh, it's it's good, man. It's good. I You know, it got, I don't know what the reviews were. I think it's like, it's like sevens or eights, right? Seven, yeah, mid sevens or something like that, which is good, right? And um, I, I like your, your analogy there or comparison of uh, it's kind of got the Ubisoft angle where it is. It's a big open map. It's got a lot of icons and side things you can do, but because those things you're doing and the exploration is so unique and weird and crazy it doesn't feel as oh i've done this a million times before you know yeah like cleansing a tory gate is a tower of a kind pretty much it's it's, it's something different um so yeah and i just love to me i I joke about this This is when my brother was laughing at me i was like oh the 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 monsters are called the visitors with a capital v i love that that feels awesome the thing that happens is the vanishing there's all this kind of conceptual stuff that just works on a narrative lore basis as you can probably tell from talking to me for a couple months now like that the flavor the, the the seasoning that goes with whatever activity you're doing matters a lot to me uh and i think ghostwire tokyo is just a place where like what is what is going to be around the corner oh it's a floating cat let's talk to that let's you know all these various things uh are very cool uh and it's it's oppressive you can play your k-pop tunes but it's it's an empty city where you hear the flapping of demon wings all the time and all this stuff is eerie and weird in a really unique way, yeah. in my opinion. It's unlike, yeah, it's unlike anything I've ever played. So, yeah, I uh, I really enjoy it. So, Travis and Dan are just like, okay. <laughs> Me yeah, and Rick just raving about Ghostwire, but... Uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play this one. check I it out, Travis. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think Tango is one of the most, like, uh, <laughs> underrated and super talented studios out there. Uh, I think I honestly think that was one of the major, like things that Microsoft got out of that acquisition of Bethesda. It's they're, a they're unique studio for sure. That's why I jokingly said, I said, well, it's my favorite PlayStation slash Xbox game. Uh, <laughs> correct. In a while. Yeah. I, correct. I'm, I'm, I'm much more amenable to Ghostwire than I wound up being with that uh, Deathloop. So, I mean, like this is, this is fantastic to me. Yeah. It's very good. I, I think, and yeah, it's, it's a, a very good Japanese studios. They tend to, they tend to try uh, weird stuff, but I reviewed evil within two. That game super surprised me. It was like Evil Within Two is great, underrated. Yeah, it's very good, and I, I was not because I played the first Evil Within, and then when I got to two, I was expecting kind of more of the same, and I was like, "What the heck? It's got an <laughs> let's open change world. the genre. It's got a map, RPG elements." <laughs> I was like, "What is this?" Like, and that that just you know, a Japanese studio will do that, man. They'll just be like, "Yeah, we'll just be a different game now." Let's no just... tango. Yeah, they're like, "Let's try Resident Evil. What what if we did that as an open world game?" Now they're like, "Well, let's do Far Cry with Japanese ghosts and, and very more. creative." Like, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I really like that they're just willing to just go completely out there with it, um, which is it's awesome. It's awesome. So I am very excited to do this, but I, I yeah, I've I've got other games on my list because of the reviews and stuff. So sure, I, I, I might end up waiting for it to come to Xbox. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. Travis is reviewing the show. You know, 
That's me. <laughs> <gotta get> the <laughs> for sure. Right guy for the job there. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I see you joking about uh, uh, Elden Ring. So Elu in our chat here, who writes uh, one of our, he's our core editor for Season Gaming. He uh, is number one on my friend's list of Elden Ring. And we joke with him every day because he is at a point where he's about to hit 15 days played of, of time what is that in math i mean what is that in hours i'm doing it it's nearly 400 okay <laughs> and he got the game at launch so it's not like he had early access or anything else how so, many days uh, has it been out 15 <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so elu is our uh he is when we say addicted to a game, like I was addicted to Elden Ring, he's taking it to a whole nother level, which is quite funny. Um, let's get these super chats real quick. I know Tao had one a little while back while we were raving about Ghostwire. Dan, let's hit this up. Yeah, Tao with the $5 super chat. Thank you, sir. Good morning, big casters. Dan, stream. <laughs> keep on with the analysis. Travis, keep up the good fight. Ains, enjoy some fast series or Bond movies. Oh, he gave me the or. So I'm going to go Bond movies. Uh, Wrong choice. choice. It's an easy. It's an easy. Dominic Toretto is the James Bond of our time. I think. Oh, yeah. It depends on your view of society. But, you know, Ah. if it's degraded that much, that may be a dare you. How dare you, sir? He's he's an American Bond. He's an American hero. Damn it. (laughs) Tal, thank you so much, man. Always American Bond. Clearly, Ethan Hunt is American Bond. No, no. Clearly. No. Are you kidding me right now? Dominic <laughs> Toretto, Vin Diesel, greatest modern actor of our generation. Oh, Y'all my God. Oh, God. Okay, moving on, moving on. Super chat for Bomber as well. Yeah, Bomber with the $2 super chat. Tiny Tina, Tina's is legit good. Need to fix mm-hmm. the uh, connects. Yeah. 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 Yeah, very yep. true. I think yep. we all agree there. So they're on it. I'm sure they'll get it worked out this week. It'll probably the game does have bugs, by the way. I don't really talk about it much in my review, but that's part of the reason the score is a little bit lower than you might expect. It does have some bugs. Sure. Oh, sure. Haven't caught any other than the multiplayer issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bomber, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that's not true. Right? There's a holding subtitle bug if you turn them on and off. I do know that one. There's a bunch of re- little. I had to reset like my that. whole game. Yeah, I want. I want. I, yeah, I, I sent a bunch of bug stuff to uh, Gearbox while I was playing, and they were like, we can't re- recreate this. And I was like, that just means you haven't fixed this bug yet. I have footage of it. It happens, yeah. Walt in the chat, who uh, I was in a party with last night and, and talking about it, he pointed one out, too. If you go to your uh, hero stats, you know, where your your strength, decks, and all that, as you flip through them, like, the description pops up and disappears. You can't actually read it. Like yeah, you have to keep swinging back and forth if you want to read it. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, all right. We had one other big release on Friday, which uh, I'm excited to hear about because I was very close to picking it up. I've heard nothing but good things, really. And that is Kirby and the Forgotten Land. So I, I talked to Miles. I was on Miles' show over at Windows Central yesterday. He said he's really enjoying it, even though he's not like some big Kirby fan and has never really thought that the Kirby games were to the same level as some other Nintendo games. They were kind of here. I used to think of them as B tier. Yeah. 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 But he said, (laughs) he said this one, he's, he's really, really enjoying. It's got some smart gameplay elements. The, the world is cool. There's fun things to do. So Hogue, you said you got quite a few hours into it already with your daughter. I have a 10 year old daughter who loves everything cute. Uh, And if you want (laughs) to hit her right in her wheelhouse, Kirby uh, is right there. (laughs) So uh, yeah, she was very excited. I surprised her with the demo when it came out. And then she didn't, she doesn't pay attention. She's 10 to dates and releases and things like that. So I had surprised her coming home from school uh, on Friday with 
uh, it being right there ready on, on the switch. So that's, she died. I got all the great responses that I wanted. Uh, and then uh, we played it. Usually she can play a game if she's really into it for a couple hours, a Mario, whatever or not. I, I, uh, they're going away for the week, so I, I wanted to give her all the time she she wanted. I think we played it for seven hours. <laughs> I mean, like she just kept going because it has that kind of imaginative quality of a, of like a Mario Galaxy or something like that, where the next thing you see is different and cool and weird. Uh, the level design, I think, is is very creative um, and hides secrets and little missions for the Waddle Dees and whatnot in interesting ways. Uh, for those of you that don't know, in terms of the background of this. I can't give you much. Uh, you've seen everything on the trailer. It's a apocalyptic wasteland for reasons that are unknown. Uh, and I doubt that we'll get a lot of background on uh, Kirby's been sucked into it and his friends, the Waddle Dees have been stolen. Um, and oh. so you go in there, it's, you know, it is full on Mario eighties. That's what you got. You're going to go through these levels. Uh, and they are very, very sweet. Uh, it's delightful. Uh, Kirby is designed to be cute Everything is cute. The enemies you fight are cute. The people you rescue are cute. The bosses you fight will, are, are, are cute. The overworld map is cute. Uh, the friend that you find over there, cute. Uh, I think this works very, very well with my 10-year-old daughter. Your mileage may vary. Um, <laughs> but uh, the music is is well-produced. I think it's orchestral. Uh, and so I, that's enjoyable. It may not be as enjoyable for the fifth time through a level while you're trying to find a hidden Waddle Dee. I have some experience in this from yesterday. Uh, but every piece of it is feels like Nintendo A tier. It feels like something like a Mario Galaxy, oh. even though that's that's too high. That's that's a little bit uh, better than this. It's still much better in my experience than Kirby's have been in the past. This feels like a full resourced, full design team effort uh, from Hal and Nintendo in a way that I, the Kirby games always felt like. Here, go experiment with yarn or rainbows, uh, or, or player, uh, and, and go from there here, at least so far, we're on world four. Uh, I want to say, uh, every little, every little corner is something new and they do more than you think the game overall is easy. I, I mean, I have to say that sure. we're, we're on the, the, the hardest mode it has. It is not hard. Um, so you bring your Elden Ring skills into Kirby. You're going to be okay. Uh, but they do cute things in the level. There's one level where you're lost in a mall and you basically have to find uh, the the hints around the map about which one of six exits is actually going to take you forward. And it doesn't like kill you or anything if you go in the wrong one. But one of the things that gets you like that bonus from finishing the mission is making sure that you didn't get lost in the mall uh, at any point in time. So that like there are these little things throughout the game that aren't just you're getting on a star, you're holding a sword and then you're going through. But it's really about the cuteness. Kirby's main animation going on the star from one place to another will actually have him turn to camera and wave at you while he's traveling, which my daughter laughs at and, and chuckles every time, every single time. <laughs> um, and it's delightful is the word that I would use to describe it. It's, it's nice. It's warm. It's comfortable. It's a family game. Uh, and I, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I'm excited to pick it up when I have a little more time. Travis, you said you've played a little or ha are going yeah, to? Yeah, okay. I played the first five minutes. Ker Kirby's actually probably like one of my favorite Nintendo characters, so I always support his games. Also, I have to say, Hogue, an A an A grade Nintendo game. They've existed in the Kirby Kirby's Air Ride. My friend 
is uh, one of the best uh, games for the GameCube. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I, I, I can't really even tell like... you that I had. I, I don't even know that I bought that. <laughs> yeah, that that game was awesome and super underrated. And my friend, I lent a fr- lent my copy to a friend, and he never gave it back to me. That's I, I like that's, it when Travis puts that wistful look into the middle yeah. distance <laughs> off camera. Unfortunately, I lent it to a friend once. Yeah, it's gone. To a friend and I never got it back. And now Probably that game, what? if you. If you own the physical edition, it is, it is, it is. I've looked it up several times. <laughs> that guy stole like a $500 disc from me. So um, <laughs> yeah, I think about that all the time, but uh, yeah, I, I love Kirby. So I'm really excited for this one and everything I've I've seen and played so far. Like I said, I only played five minutes is probably underestimating it. I probably played like maybe 30 minutes, but yeah, it's really, uh, really fun so far. And uh, yeah, good, good. You know, my, I, I'm a uh, Kirby main and smash bros. My, uh, my Kirby <laughs> is named Kerb Stomp. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to bring Curb Stomp out to uh, to this new game. <laughs> well, it's great. It is. I mean, the one thing I would say is I think some people from the trailers and the announcement thought it might be like an open world kind of thing. It is not. It's linear levels. No. They're wide. They're like um, uh, Super Mario 3D World. Uh, the hub world. How you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. Hub worlds. Okay. All right. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited to pick it up, man. I uh, I just need time to. You know, you can only play so many games. So. I uh, certainly will check it out. My Switch will get turned on for the first time since Metroid, whenever that well, is. It's always impressive what Nintendo can get out of the Switch because Kirby yeah. looks good. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. That's cool. You can only play so many games, Ains. That's it, man. Only Agree so to stuff. disagree. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. Those are our big three releases. Dan, you playing anything good, man? No. No, <laughs> I'm playing Scarlet Nexus because I've played through okay. three playthroughs and I can never finish it because the last uh, mission is like three hours long and it makes me mad every time I do it. I so, like Scarlet and, Nexus. It's hard. I love the game. I love the game. I, I get to the end and I'm just like, oh, something else came out. And then I can't go back to it because I forgot how to do everything. So I have to start over every time. So <laughs> but I'm playing Nexus through it. Good. It's really good. I mean, I, it's one of my favorite games of that year. You know, it, last year it was super fun. Um, yeah, that's it. That's really it's it. Not a visual novel into your action RPG. I like Scarlet Nexus. Yeah, it was a good time. Wow, I I, I did not play more than a couple hours of that game, but that's that's crazy. A three hour mission at the end that you have to complete it's in one super sitting. Super long. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Oh no. And and I get to that point, I'm just like, okay, I'll do it this time. And then I'd never do it. Like, there's two storylines. There's one with Kasane and one with Yuito. And I haven't, I've only played the Kasane part. I've, I'm, so I started a whole new playthrough with the guy, basically. And it's a different story. Same story, different perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of cool doing that. So I'm, I'm set on making sure I finish it this time. Maybe. <laughs> Except the show comes out tomorrow. So maybe not. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm Fair enough. Fair enough. We got a uh, one more super chat, which is actually a question for Hogue from yeah, Victor I mean, Gecko Gamer. Yeah, with the five dollar euro chat. Thanks, Gecko <laughs> Gamer. Uh, question for Hogue: What FF game would you uh, recommend to a newcomer? Uh, ex- expect. I think means accept. Except, okay, yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is eighty euro in my region on PC. It depends on where you're looking to play. I mean, the one I would recommend right now is Final Fantasy VI, the Pixel Remaster that just yes. released on uh, the PC. Um, I would I would check that out uh, if you're not if you're looking for something on consoles. Uh, I think the entry point, especially if you want if you want to play Final Fantasy VII Remaster at some point, is probably Final Fantasy VII Original. Um, you you might not realize, but remake 
uh, remake isn't so much a remake as a reflection on the original Final Fantasy VII, so it would be probably be useful to play if you haven't already. Those would be my two recommendations. Awesome. Thank you, Gecko, as always, man. Appreciate the support. Uh, everyone, you're enjoying the show. Please share this out. Hit us with that like. That'd be greatly appreciated as we move into our main topics this week, which Ooh. is... First one we're going to tackle is Witcher, man. So CD Projekt Red came out this week. We knew that they said they weren't done with the Witcher franchise. If you recall, last year they actually kind of re-upped their uh, uh, agreement on the IP rights. so they could With a bit continue. of a fight, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they took care of that last year, and they came out and formally announced that uh, they're making a new Witcher game. They teased it with a amulet of a lynx. And a uh, few specifics about this. So if you didn't know, in case you're kind of curious, one is that they confirmed this is not Witcher 4. I've seen a lot of podcasts, seen a lot of shows say, oh, CDPR, you know. Not and Witcher 4. I mean, we're playing semantics games here, right? It's like Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is not a Borderlands game. <laughs> well, I think what they mean, right, is it's not a continuation of the story from Witcher 3, right? That's That's the key. It's not a Geralt story. Um, well, now you said two different things. Yeah, I, I recognize it's not a Geralt story. story. Do you think it's not a continuation of the story uh, from Witcher 3? I, well, let me say the next couple things and then okay, you, sure. can, you can derive from that. Yeah. Um, so the School of the Lynx, if you get dive into Witcher lore, which I did this week because I'm a weirdo, the School of the Lynx was founded in the year 1273 within the lore, which actually takes place post Witcher 3. Uh, but it's after the school of the wolf has collapsed, basically, and the witchers were kind of on the outs. So the Lynx school appeared shortly after the official extinction of the school of the wolf, when its remaining members, among them Eskel, Geralt, Lambert, these are all key people, uh, separated after Vesemir's death. And then uh, 17, 17 years later, uh, 1290, new witchers started being produced again as part of the school. So if you if you know the story of the witchers, right, w witchers were basically almost extinct. And then late, you know, way after the games and in the lore, they basically start, you know, producing new witchers again. Sure. And then uh, 20 years after that is when they start to colonize the what they call the new continent, which is the West. So if you take the fact of the Lynx amulet being shown, them saying, you know, that this is not a, uh, it's not Witcher 4. What it seems like, I'm just kind of deriving from the, the lore here, right? If you look at the books in the background here, is that this is going to take place with a new school in a new land with new characters that'll have some ties to what ha what came before, right? Witcher so Andromeda. <laughs> oh God, don't do <laughs> You just described Witcher Andromeda. I'm just yeah, telling you. He really did. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. You've, you've soiled it right out of the gate but um so i will anyway. accept that it is not a Geralt, yeah. Geralt game but i think if you think Geralt isn't going to be in this game no that's what i'm saying there's going to be references yeah. to Geralt and lambert and, and these key characters will probably play a part right they kind of have to but yeah. and it'll be interesting to see what they do with siri who the school of the lynx is not the school of the cat it's like a, a later school that came afterwards uh, there's all kinds of different schools of different animals. Well, I she's the like. master of time and space. Sure are. Yeah. So I think Siri will play a role, right? And and I think they'll have ties to these other characters. But it sounds like they want a fresh start. And I would presume, based on what it says in the lore here, that it's going to be in a new land as well. It is. That, that'll, you know, allow them to create something kind of brand new. Uh, the other key thing, of course, they mentioned this week, which was interesting, is that they're moving away from Red Engine 
and moving mm-hmm. to Unreal 5. And almost what it, the way it read was almost like they're going to be partnering with Epic on some of the technology. It was kind of interesting how they- Well, that read to me like we negotiated our rates. That that was, yeah, exactly. that was we're going to advertise Unreal Engine 5. It's not five, it's three and a half or whatever. I mean, like there, that entire, entire conversation as the lawyer, I'm looking at it and go, oh, that's a sweetheart deal that you all just made. So that's that's yeah. fun. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's interesting. So anyway, um, I, I, you know, I, I've preached about Witcher 3 far too much as it is. I think uh, many of us agree how incredible that game is. Probably one of the greatest open world RPGs ever. Um, I think undoubtedly is. So the, I think the big question, guys, for our conversation point today is we, we, we don't have to rehash everything that's gone on with CD Projekt Red over the past couple of years. We know the cyberpunk fiasco. Um, you know, they're, they're starting to rebuild trust depending on what type of person you are with cyberpunk and and the the update 1.5 it's been solid people seem to you know enjoying cyberpunk again they said the expansion is still coming for cyberpunk they're still working on it they actually released another update this week for cyberpunk continuing to update more things um so uh, it it feels like cdpr is starting or wanting to turn that corner right and they obviously have to know you would think you would think they're not dice hopefully um, you would have to know that they, whatever this is, it has to come out of the gate right and strong, right? So I think the question is, one, do you think they can accomplish that? Can they kind of turn the corner back and, and come to be presented out of the gate with Witcher, whatever this is, uh, like Witcher 3 and not Cyberpunk? Um, and two, how do they do that? How, how do you top a game like Witcher 3 that is critically accepted to be one of the greatest games of all time? Well, I, from my perspective, <laughs> that, you know, that teaser is the cyberpunk, you know, girl on the street teaser that's seven and a half years, seven away. years ago. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I mean that sincerely. That, that to me is that kind of teaser that says we're hiring. We, we're, you want to work on the Witcher? <laughs> come on in. Um, but I can't get excited about that kind of thing for, for a while. Um, so that goes in the back that says, Hey, more witchers coming. Unfortunately in my head, I was already like, there ain't no way they're ditching the witch. <laughs> that's, that's what has made their company that big and that much money. So there will be witcher. And so the, con- the confirmation kind of goes into my head as, mm-hmm, okay. Uh, I like all the, the, the lore you just gave, because I think that makes sense for an advancement of the witcher brand. Uh, I think that the lesson might have been learned that you can't just do that. However, the lesson could also be we did that and we survived and we made a kajillion dollars at the same time. So you never quite know whether or not a a company has learned its lesson on that type of thing. I would say that they have to make sure that they're as solid as possible. It's probably like I'll be in my 50s when this thing comes out. Uh, And I don't know that next year. Oh my God, yeah. Travis! I am seasoned, you baby. <laughs> um, so if you asked how they could top it. I think if you if you come at that mindset, you're going to wind up with something weird and wrong. I think you do what you did. You try to continue that pace. You go to a new place. You tell a new story that's worth telling. You let that drive you in RPG land, and you see what comes out. My biggest worry about that, and it's been a boon to the video game industry is that the Witcher DNA, the people that made the Witcher the Witcher, have filtered out into all these things, right? Like major components of the creative forces behind the Witcher 3 went over and have been doing Assassin's Creed uh, for a while. They've been going into these various other areas. I think that has been fantastic for seeing 
you know, better, more nuanced storytelling in a bunch of different places. Uh, but I don't actually know what the, the core of CD Projekt Red looks like right now, because outside of bugs and things, I was primarily disappointed with not having that depth and layered storytelling in Cyberpunk that I saw in Witcher 3. So I think they're going to need to get talent back up. I think it's going to take them a long time. I'm very hopeful for them because I think it's a rich environment and that Witcher 3 is maybe my favorite game of all time, depending on what day you ask me. Uh, <laughs> but hitting that bar is almost impossible. So you want to try to put a great game out that you're proud of and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. So to your, to your question, Ains, of like, can can the Witcher 4 or whatever this ends up being uh, make up kind of the, the, the loss of face of Cyberpunk? I think the answer is largely yes in the in the games community, and I think that the the main reason is because most people don't know who CD Projekt Red is, and they don't know the difference between they don't know that you know Cyberpunk and The Witcher were made by the same people. They'll look at the brand of the Warner Brothers game. is on the top of that Witcher three too, right? That's right. Yeah, in America but, Warner Brothers is the first thing you see. Correct. Yeah, and they'll, they'll look at they'll look at The Witcher before they ever think about what developer made it. Right, the people that played Witcher three and have that memory will will do that. So I think largely people, you know, the fact that it's not Cyberpunk twenty eighty eight is is huge for them because it gives them a chance to kind of yeah, you know, they they get to go back. That's to what the, I would name a sequel for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, that's uh, they get they, you know they get to go back to kind of their their old old reliable right their their fountain. Uh, and uh, I, I do think that CD Projekt Red still has a lot of talent. I agree with Hogue. Like whenever you have a massively successful game, the studio experience is a brain drain. I mean, that that just has happened a lot. We saw it with Bungie after Halo. We saw, it, you know, everybody leaving the 343. Uh, and, then, and then we saw it after uh, Destiny with the same studio. Um, but I still think that CD Projekt Red has it in them. They're a very talented studio. And I don't know if you guys played 2018's Thronebreaker. Uh, if you have, yeah, if you have not played it, that's I'm the card, mad at you. That's the card yeah. game. game? It's the yeah. card game. It is a fantastic it's game. It's the card game game. It's not Gwen. It's the RPG based around the card game. It is an RPG no, based on the card it is game. Great. If you, yeah, if you if you haven't played that game, that game uh, just on story alone is fantastic. Uh, it very, also very made good. them stop the Witcher stories because they spent too much money on it. They got mad issues abound. <laughs> During yeah, this yeah. Of time. They uh, that was very that was very interesting because I I remember I don't know if you saw this uh, Ains, but at E3 one year they presented what uh, what ended up being Thronebreaker. They were like, mm -hmm. oh, it's the the Gwent story stuff, and like, and none of that ended up happening. But you can see like pieces of its DNA in the Thronebreaker game. Oh, uh, I didn't, I didn't, oh my god, it, it was it was so weird because I think about that all the time. I'm like, wow, it, that was almost what Thronebreaker was. It was almost just this like episodic part of the Gwent game. But um, yeah, uh, I, I anyway, that, that was recent enough to where, you know, they had one bad game, right? They had one bad game and they've had four or oh, one five bad rooms. launch, I would say. One bad launch, right? And and, and actually Cyberpunk is probably my next game after Elden Ring uh, because I, I, I got partway through it. As you guys know, last year I, I made it a point as I do every year to complete every game that got nominated at the Game Awards, uh, which I which I plan on doing this year. Uh, cyberpunk wasn't one of those you know so like i there were some games i did, didn't i didn't have to play um to to meet my bar uh so, and and cyberpunk was was one that i missed so i'm excited to play that I mean, it wasn't eligible last year was it did it get released no it got released after the launch because it was nominated like, yeah. this year so yeah. you haven't beaten it but you didn't play all the ones from this last year 
the, the 2021. Yeah, because it was nominated uh, in 2021. Or is it just best game? Uh, no, I it was. I played all the ones that were nominated. I, I don't think Cyberpunk was nominated. It wasn't was it nominated, nominated for was? best game. It won other awards. Yeah, no, oh, it did. Oh, it was nominated right, for right. some other stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, anyway, I played it. I just didn't beat it. So I need to. <laughs> I need to beat. That I'm not game. trying to call you to task. I was just trying to because it's like it wasn't in 2020 because it comes out in December. Yeah. Um, got it. Got it. Got so, yeah. it. So it was like it, it, was, like, it was like best yeah. soundtrack. Best. It was up for a few things. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it was the ancillary awards, Travis. You don't really have to worry. Well, I, I I I played all of those. I'm I'm confused. I'm I'm gonna have to go check. I, yeah, I, please do. I, I, I Cyberpunk's nominated for like some of the some of the bottom end awards. They are interesting. Okay. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know what to say. By the time this game comes out, we're probably gonna have a different console. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't release right around that same time like the Cyberpunk did. That seems to be a big part of the problem. But there's no way this had. is releasing on these consoles. If they're, I mean, seven-year lifespan. Yeah, I mean, no that's way. that's assuming maybe uh, <laughs> seven or eight years. I mean, this could be 10 years down the road. Who the hell knows? It could, it depends it could on be the very end be. of this console. That's yeah, what happened. Like, like GTA Five. a lot of successful games come out right at the tail end of the console. I, I think those are the best games, actually. <laughs> I don't even know. Well, the other thing we haven't mentioned is that the Witcher TV series is huge. They have several seasons planned. Um, and it, it has a massive, massive viewership, right? So you're gonna don't have don't know what we don't know Witcher's viewership. Sure, we, we do. know what Netflix tells us. Okay, <laughs> Jesus, no, wait a minute, no, no, but they don't even use numbers. We know that they tell us that it's, it's the highest premiere and these, you know, these kinds of views. Then you have analytics firms that are making things up based on scraping of data. This is one of the big problems with streaming is that we don't get good optics on this stuff at all. You don't. So, you never did on TV, though. They their TV systems. You just don't, even, you just don't believe in Nielsen ratings. You could actually I mean, have statistical <laughs> polling. Nielsen ratings is such a such a terrible sampling system, though. It's, I think it's, it was working just fine it. before it got bifurcated into streaming and TiVo and everything else. I mean, I think you. I think you can look at the numbers they were producing, especially in like the early '80s and things, and say, yeah, that's a statistical sampling model that should work. Yeah. Well, they're they're descriptive, but they, yeah, they're. We can get into that. I hate the Nielsen right. oh. system. I don't think it's any better. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. It says Netflix reported. So it, it, it okay. I don't whether you believe them or not. It, it's obviously a very popular show on Netflix, which is a very popular streaming service. We'll say that. Um, Look, I'm perfectly happy to watch Is This Cake, uh, but I'm not going to back up The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a anyway, lot of people who would agree with that statement, Hoke. Anyway. <laughs> Weirdly. Funny enough, I. It's this cake, Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> it's your favorite show. No, my my wife actually. Last, last night, my wife said, "What is wrong with our country?" Because it was showing as number one on Netflix, and she's like, "Who watches this stuff?" It's so funny. I clicked <laughs> on it because I'm looking for something to watch with my girls. I I I, I clicked on it. And I said, "As I'm clicking on it, I'm like, this feels like an idiocracy moment. <laughs> is it cake? I it feels." <laughs> Yeah, yeah exactly. we're, we're, we're well on the road. What, what, what the hell is it now? Now I'm intrigued. Okay, so literally well, it's bakers that make things that look like objects, and you have to guess whether or not it's a cake, give or take. There's more game around it, but yes. Oh, so it's is it cake, not this is cake. Is it cake as a question? Is so so let's it. imagine that bakers uh, are trying to make a cake look like a set of tacos. Then you see you get to see how they try to do that, and then they put five versions, four of which are tacos, one of which is a cake, out I in, in front of Hogue, judges. I, I think you just got a viewer. I'm seeing Dan's eyes light up. He, I, Dan I is going like to watch the show. Let me no say problem. this, Dan. 
there are worse things on Netflix and on TV in general. Okay. Like The Witcher. Fantastic. So what go check it out. What the hell is going on? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite segment. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Um, anyway, I'm so yeah, the winter is going to be a lot of fun, guys. I, I, I'm dead inside. <laughs> anyway, uh, the point I was trying to make originally five minutes ago was that um, uh, Witcher in general is has reached a broader kind of zeitgeist than, yep. than it had prior, right? So yep. you're going to have this foundation of more people knowing what the Witcher is, uh, although the show is obviously based around the beginning of the books and is going to work through the books, which is Geralt and Siri focused. So it's a little different, but uh, anyway, my point was being that there will be a bigger, it feels like there's going to be more eyes on this next Witcher uh, than there were on the previous games. And if you didn't know, I forgot to put this in the notes, but this announcement from the announcement tease from CD project red was the analytics on how many people viewed it is nuts. It was more than, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, more than uh, the Rockstar games. I mean, more than anything, pretty much. How people, uh, how many times this was viewed. So it's pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's been growth in the industry since we had those big ones. Red Dead's always been secondary to Grand Theft. I would be interested to see GTA 6's analytics. Like, the, when, when that finally gets announced, that's the kind of thing. GTA 6, yeah. that's going to blow everything away. That, that, yeah, that's, sure. that, that's what I think. I think you're seeing there the growth of the industry. You're seeing Witcher 3 be well thought of uh, you know i've always said sales whether it's on movies or video games i think they're often the tail effect for the reception of the prior game um or, sure. or prior movie and so i think sure. uh, people should be excited cd project has pulled this off in an amazing way before there's no reason to think they can't do witcher 4 yeah. in that way i don't i know it's not witcher 4 but witcher school of the links whatever you want to call it in the same in the same way it's just too far away for me to get excited about when i get three games on a friday it's like go do your thing I'm glad that you've told me that it's it's happening. I feel like that's really more for developers than for me, honestly. Uh, and, you know, come back to me and I'll get excited when we're closer. All right. Here's the ask. What comes out first? This new Witcher, mm -hmm. Grand Theft Auto 6, mm -hmm. Elder Scrolls 6, mm -hmm. or the new Mass Effect? Oh, Grand Theft Auto 6. New Mass Effect. <laughs> there you go. Grand Theft Auto 6. First easy. in that group? Those four, what's coming out first? Oh, I, I think Mass Effect. Okay. And I think Mass Effect will get scrapped two more times before they finally finish developing. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto. EA push out their games for all their flaws. They push out their games. <laughs> I, I, we're going to get it. We'll get a shit one before they scrap it again. Okay. Yeah, Rockstar, Rockstar is the type of company where they have FU money. They will they will not put out that game until it's ready. Yeah, but Grand uh, Theft Auto 6 has had to been cooking now for already a half decade. I mean, like it's been cooking a while. Has it? Red Dead I 2 think so. was being made. I mean, I don't know. I, I think Red Dead 2 is old, Travis. Four, four years ago now. I know, but this is this is Rockstar we're talking about. I mean, they I I'm not I'm not saying that it's not gonna be long from here. I don't think Grand Theft Auto 6 is tomorrow. I'm just saying that they've been they've been working on it for a long yeah, time. One of the headlines this week was they just came out with GTA five online. Uh, a premium subscription. Plus, yes. Yeah. So if that tells you anything, they're they're investing in a game that is that is now two console generations. All that old, tells but, me, Travis, yeah. is that their financial folks said, "Hey, there's more to soak over there." I what mean, this like, what this tells me is I asked the right question. 
I think it's got to it's got to be Mass Effect. Like Witcher, there's no way that comes out anytime soon. What no. was the other one you said? Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls Six. Elder Scrolls Six is eons away. Yeah, eons away. Uh, yeah. You know, well, yeah. So Mass, yeah. I think it's Mass Effect and Grand Theft Auto, and it's really just dependent on whether or not you think Grand Theft Auto got enough um, head uh, headroom there. They started early enough because obviously the Rockstar process is going to be longer than whatever EA throws out I, for your rule. So I didn't I didn't mention it, but I did I was playing Grand Theft Auto 5 on PS5. Maybe I mentioned it last week. But um I'm really interested to see with Grand Theft Auto 6 because we haven't talked about it on the show. But you know, they, the Hauser brothers split and Dan Hauser left, and he was the foundational part of Grand Theft Auto for decades, you know, since the beginning. He's gone now. And the co-writer of Grand Theft Auto 5, uh, what's his name? I, I forget his name, but he left and he sued Rockstar. Um, so that the two of the kind of building blocks of Grand Theft Auto that made it what it was are gone. They're not at Rockstar anymore. I don't oh, think the narrative. I don't think the narrative of Grand Theft Auto ever made it what it was. That I mean, that's just my position. Oh, oh yeah, no, Oof. I don't think. I don't think the narrative have ever been there. What's been there is wow. the detail and the open world. But in Oof. terms of story, no, Grand Theft no, Auto. I, I think GTA Five story is is like masterpiece level. So good. You do, you don't think? I mean, what Grand Theft Auto? Even if you don't dig the kind of main story right whatever that campaign is you would say right that the narrative around the game that's within the game the talk radio the the way things are structured it's very much a satire right on america and capitalism and and in gta 5 on los angeles specifically um you don't think that is what makes the game i don't know th- that that's the detail of the open world i don't think that the head narrative mind has to be there to do those kinds of satirical things so i to me i don't I think that Rockstar can absolutely survive major changes in those particular areas. Now, that also, to give my tilt on this, I'm not particularly impressed by the writing in Rockstar games basically ever. I think their satires are overblown and superficial. (laughs) He's just keeled over. He's got... I think Red Dead 2 is so far up its own ass that it can't get its pacing out of its own way. (laughs) I do. I'm not, this is not... I, you know, I, I say things like I say oh, them. I love it. But love it. no, Red Dead 2, I think, is terribly paced. I think it's it's Oh, awesome. no, it has pacing issues. I'm not going to argue there. But to say the narrative, man, the, oh. The narrative God. is so simple. And it's only broadened by the fact that they spend 80 hours telling it to you. And I mean, Travis would be like. <laughs> hey, you can take the clip out of this here. It's totally fine. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, no, I, I, I really do think that their gift is open world design, that that's what Red Dead 2 brings to the table. They do that that's what Grand Theft Auto 5 brings to the table. That's where they are special. It ain't narrative. It ain't story. Mm. I I would say that, the okay, so I can see some merit in that in the last part of that statement, which is that they're, what they do best is create an open world where... Magnificent. Uh, yeah, I mean, their open worlds in GTA 5 and Red Dead 2 are almost unmatched, right? If not unmatched. So I can agree there, but... Oof. Saying yeah. that they don't write good stories and tell Ooh, good characters that. like Arthur Morgan, come on, man! Like one of the best protagonists ever in a game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, and I, you know, I, like I said, I find Grand Theft Auto Five satire to be simple-minded twelve-year-old drivel of a middle school type variety. Oh boy, <laughs> you're so brave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can find you can find that That kind of writing in any dark web Reddit subreddit. It's fine. You know, if that's what you go for, absolutely. Horrible take. Yeah. I mean, you don't. I guess we could stay on this for far too long. But what did you think? Let me let me see if you're going to double down and dig deeper, or I like if you'll if you'll salvage your vocation of digging deeper. What what do you think? 
did you not enjoy in Grand Theft Auto Five how they set up the three character narratives that kind of came together? I actually think that all the characters wound up being a little bit too allegorical in that setup, uh, that they were symbolic of, you know, chaos or, or various other things and prevented them from having even as depthful of a story as you would have seen in, in Grand Theft Auto 4, which I think carries on a little bit better than 5 or Red Dead, if you like that kind of storytelling. So I like what they did with the concept of having multiple perspectives on a heist and that kind of thing. I think that's a cool way to handle that. As characters themselves, I think they wound up a little bit more shallow than some of their other protagonists. And I, I think something was lost there. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, I forget his name in, in 4, but he was very good, of course. Um, but anyway, uh, we did, the chat blew up on you. Nico? Nico, right? You. Yes. Yeah, I Chat blew up on me. I think everybody wrong. agrees with me. I think this is pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're, pretty you're cool definitely page. playing to the playing to the audience <laughs> with this one, man. Uh, yeah. Larry K said, uh, he said, uh, Hogue is trolling, right? <laughs> oh, man. oh, boy, that was good. I like Red Dead 2's narrative better than Grand Theft Auto 5. So there's no okay, question well, let's there. Remember, let's remember. Let's remember. Hogue is a big fan of Andromeda. That's really all we need to remember here. <laughs> You're never going to live that one down, yeah. Hogue. That, that'll always see, this, is my, this is the problem, though, is that that's not a fair characterization. I'm not a big fan of what Mass Effect is as a series. So Andromeda being the second best just says that I think it really dove, it really dove off the cliff by the time 2 and 3 come out. The defense rests. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, man. You got 10 minutes of insulting Rockstar's narrative, oh, writing Red Dead 2 and We Master even got the Halo. Halo. Oh, my God. Hey, oh, by the way, I'm, sorry. Go I'm always all right with it. You know, I, <laughs> no, I, I have my opinions. You are free to disagree with them. And the one thing I will always say, as I say on my social media posts, is else, if you love something, that's fantastic. I want to like everything. If you love it, that is good for you. I, yes. Grand Theft Auto Five, it, it's not my vein of humor. I don't find it particularly insightful. I think the story isn't terribly great. Hey, I think the world is fantastic. I, I don't want to undersell this. They are best in class at building sandboxes. Uh, and I think sometimes that gets confused with whether they're good storytellers. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave it there for now. That was fun. Uh, the, the gentleman, by the way, is Leslie Benzies. That's the guy that was at Rockstar that was a key part of the writing who left and sued and blah, blah, blah. So um, <clears throat> anyway. We'll what did he sue for, by the way? Oh, is it just I want more money? I, I, money just, I, think. I closed the tab right as you asked that. So it was $150 million over who knows what, probably royalties or something. It was splits, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've got uh, we've got a few super chats during that uh, interesting. I wonder if they relate to any of these comments that I've made. Let's let's check it out. <laughs> All right, let's start with gaming forte. Four ninety nine super chat. Happy Sunday, gentlemen. Not going to lie, watched the entire first season of Is It Cake with my kids. Pretty entertaining, but the host is very cringe. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen worst hosts, but yeah, they're it's it, yeah. it's not high level. Uh, entertainment put that on the box art i've seen worse hosts that's uh <laughs> put that on your resume that's for that website we're gonna run right you know, sure. just, <laughs> thank you could, very much. could have been worse <laughs> appreciate you hanging out uh forte always good to see you man uh we got you guys oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. yeah we've got, we've got a few super chats to get through here uh, five dollar euro super chat from Gecko Gamer. Five it's euro. General. It's not five dollar euro. Five dollar euro. Whatever. I'm... Five euro. It's Sunday five morning, man. Give me a good damn break. The general <laughs> advice for for hose four games are objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. Gecko wants to games. say that those games are coming sooner than we think. Oh, I gotcha. 
Okay. Yes. Got you. Got you. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so, but we'll see. Thank you, Gecko. Uh, Appreciate you. (laughs) Five pound super chat is going, man. Damn. That's my five pound. That's yours. Right there. That one. Talk about bad takes. Fat boy, thank you very much. And Forte back again. Yes. With the five dollar euro super chat, I'm just going to throw whatever out there. I love hoax takes, but Mm -hmm. we need to remember that this is the same man. That said, Mass Effect 2 is one of the worst in the series. Mm-hmm. All of them. Yeah, no, stand by it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't even know where to go. Yeah. With Forte, thank you, brother. Giving up all the ambition for small character stories where you find, finish up fighting a giant skeleton. Oh, on, this, on this, Hogan and I are in general agreement. So, And that, that doesn't worry you, Ains? That's right. A little bit now. It's sure yeah, wrong side of history, dude. That's all I'm saying. Uh oh man oh man thank you guys really appreciate yeah, it yeah thank uh, you this is funny all right now well hell let's keep this train yeah, rolling. Well keep gonna going. talk about the halo tv show oh no this is the train turning around the other direction Ains, and running no, into you running straight into me yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> so halo tv show premiere obviously came this week a uh, lot of uh feedback on it of was course. it the first and second episode or just no the first? no we just saw the first travis Keep your spoilers to yourself. I will, I will, I will. I will. <laughs> Just the first episode. Uh, there is the, they're doing an after show every week. So I will say, if you haven't checked that out, it's like 25 minutes. They talk to Pablo a lot this week. They talk about his regiment, their ideas for the show, the silver. Wait, team. is our sci-fi mask guy Pablo again? Are only Pablos allowed to participate in sci-fi masks adventures? Yeah. What? <laughs> Pablo is Mandalorian. Pause me. Mandalorian actor is also named Pablo. Oh, oh, right, right. Yeah. That's right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Travis. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> I got you, man. See, I'm, I'm not the Star Wars reference. I'm here for you, bro. I'm not the Star Wars. Yeah. All right. So I didn't know his know- name. He was that guy that's not Master Chief. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> the four of us were talking in DM about this. It's pretty clear that Travis had seen first two episodes ahead of time. He said right. last week. He did. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Travis. Didn't hate it, but didn't really enjoy it. Kind of mediocre in your eyes. I thought it was bad. You thought it was bad. Yeah. Okay, uh, mediocre. I, I, actually, you know what? Mediocre is a, probably a better way to describe it. Like if I were reviewing it on IGN, it'd probably be a five out of ten. Six, the highest, which is six at IGN, is okay. And I would uh-huh. say anybody who says it's a four, like a four at IGN, is bad. Uh-huh. I would understand. Like it's like in that four it's to in six that range. Line okay. Yeah. So and I know, I know, Hogue, you really disliked it. We'll we'll talk more. Wait, I'm curious about the, the scale here. What's a three, Travis? Awful. Okay. So that's slightly, it's just a slightly more evocative bad. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, um, you know, I've seen a lot of mixed takes on this. And of course, a bunch of people reached out to me to ask what I thought because, you know, I'm, I'm known You're as the Halo guy, the big Halo guy. And um, I'll tell you what I think. And then you guys can go ahead and, and destroy it. Um, <laughs> it. So I'll say this right out of the gate it, it, it's not great. It's not a blockbuster. It's not this nine out of 10 episode and and keep in mind there's context here right we're talking about one episode right this is one episode of the first season of this show um what i what i liked about it is that i thought they did a decent job of showing silver team which in if you listen to them talk after the show is really representative blue team from the books which has you know uh their sniper which would normally be linda and kelly who's the up close person with the pistols and then the fred the big guy um who technically in the books fred is the leader it's just everyone follows chief because chief is chief 
Um, Wait a minute, hold on. So, so this is – I must have missed that part. So they basically just got rid of blue team and replaced them with diamond team. Imagine if you're in the MCU. I'm so trying to figure it out. Here's the problem. People don't know the context of the show going in. Right, but this problem. is supposed to be completely separate from the Halo it War is. and the games. Well, it is. And I th- I you think just answered your own question. Okay. I, I, th- I think that's one of its strengths, Dan, is that you don't have to watch the – or play well, the good for me. I don't give a crap. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they, they basically – knowing it's non-canon, right? They, they set that context up well ahead of time. Knowing that they're going to tell their own story and knowing that, um, you know, the focus was going to be chief at, at its core, right? I didn't mind this episode. And when I say I didn't mind it, that's kind of where I am on it. So you're going back to like review score, Travis, right? And I said the other day, I was talking to Miles yesterday about it, and we both kind of agreed because he generally liked it. I put it at a seven. Um, now, I, I thought they did a good job of showing Silver Team. I thought that uh, I liked uh, the prophet. They showed Mercy, um, who again has ties back to the thing, and I, I liked. Uh, how do you they think for for especially for introducing people? Do you think that that scene on High Charity makes a ton of sense for no the setup of that story? No, because it it's out of freaking nowhere in terms yeah, of yeah, dude. Setup. That's one of the okay. worst parts of the show or the first yeah, and, and and High Charity is one of those mythological places that's always talked about where the covenant base is, where it comes from. They've never really shown. And so I think the reason they did that, Hogue, and, and even I think Kiki Wolfkill talked about this in, a, in an interview. I think the reason they did that is to kind of say from episode one, hey, we're going to show you things in the Halo universe that have been talked about but never really been shown. Is High Charity not where the Arbiter is, uh, is brought to justice? I thought it was. It is. It is. But you've never really seen it in this context, right? Okay. Okay. I'm just, uh, hey. I'm not on you with the lore, so I'm actually closer to a newbie in terms of paying attention to the, the story. No, that's you're, good. Really, you're I, good. I, that's that's good. I think that's the better way to view the show from what I've uh, seen. Agree. Uh, and I, I thought um, I liked when they showed the Spartans getting prepped, which is really cool. The other the other three members of the team that comes right out of, uh, you know, the books and games and everything Halo else. Halo 4. Yeah. A- and I, you know, uh, I have no issue with the damn helmet thing. You guys can argue about that if you want but i don't either uh, actually i, I like I don't that know I, I don't have a problem with the concept i have a problem with the with the context and you know some of the direction I, okay we can talk about it yeah and so and the last thing i was just going to say is that um it, it's pretty clear right that they are going more of the direction of the more recent games which is to humanize chief a bit right they're going to show him as a human being as a as a person and not just this one note kind of killing machine that he really was kind of in the early part of the games and 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 lore right so um again i didn't think it was fantastic no i think there was some poor writing at times uh miles and i joked yesterday around the girl at the start saying like i can't wait to get off this rock and it's like oh like how many times has that been the whole setup for that scene is like "Uh uh-huh all right yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) and and, you know there's some the cgi is a weird mix of, of like like, like, I thought the prophet, like Mercy, I thought looked awesome. And then at the oh, same time, I, thought, I hated the, I thought that was the worst so part. How yeah. can that, so it he all just looks, okay. he looks like a little look. cartoony. How can that, like, how do you make a, a prophet look better than that? Seriously. He looks like Yoda from honestly, honestly, if that's the best you can do with CGI, I say you just change the design because that looks pretty bad. That looks like, prequels star wars trilogy cgi yeah. to me like See, I, that's I, why i said it kind of reminded me of jar jar not jar jar it kind of reminds me Oof. of like 
But what do you expect? The it is so funny because like, when they're walking out through that hallway on on High Charity, my very first thought is, "Oh, it's Camino." Like it it, it has that immediate <laughs> feel. But I don't. So I'm on your side with this, Ains. I actually thought that that particular scene, it seemed like they put the entire budget on rendering uh, uh, Mercy there. So they look good. But but I, then you have the the joke moment everyone's laughing about, where Chief throws the AR. Oh my like, freaking god! You have that to put up. <laughs> that looked like it was from freaking Daedalus Encounter. I don't have it, but it does look bad. It looked bad. And I, when I watched it, the second my wife. He throws the AR rifle onto the ground behind his last left leg. And for some unknown reason, they put an insert shot so that you can follow this. But they clearly didn't have a gun. So it's rendered with roughly the textures of a PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> Live. Yeah. And, and again, it's only, it's like a second and a half. It is a second, but it jumps fast. out at you. You're like, oh, it feels like a video game. If you, is this, maybe it's an Easter egg. They can come out with a thing after this. It's, well, we know it's a game. We wanted you to feel like it was a game for a second. I, it's yeah. awful. It looks it's like bad. they accidentally sent the wrong, like, final as the, as the shot to this, to the studio when they were compiling the edit. Like, it's, yeah. it's bad. Yeah. It is bad. And then the other thing, um, I, I didn't like is, uh, you know, it's clear. We joked about this yesterday too. It's clear that they, they want to have some first person elements where you're in the visor and stuff. Right. And it's like, I don't necessarily mind that for exploration. If it's when he's scanning stuff, you know, like briefly, like the caves. yeah, that that's okay. But let's, let's not do the doom first person combat thing. Like I've played the games, you know what I mean? Let's, let's move away from that uh, because yeah. the Spartans are cooler when you're seeing them from a perspective anyway, you know what I mean? Like, Show me Chief fighting something over there. That looks cool. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I've talked enough. Uh, I, I enjoyed it for what it was with context, with qualification. No, I don't think it's great, but I did think it was decent. Um, and I do think Pablo did a good job as Chief. I am excited to see uh, to see how it progresses over season one. Oh, one last thing. I, the comparison, the analogy I'm using here is if you look at Witcher season one, right? Witcher season one wasn't great. Um but I liked it for what it was. There's moments in Winter Season 1 you can blatantly tell it's a set. You can, you know, some of the writing's not brilliant. You know, there's plenty of criticisms of Witcher Season 1. Um, but as you've seen it develop and now Witcher Season 2, which is much higher rated than 1, you can see it kind of forming into being something really good. Or at least I think so. Um, and I'm kind of, that's where I am with this. It's like, okay, they, they've laid some plot points here, some foundation. It's not fantastic, but... I'm given for now, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that it'll become something good over time. That's I'll stop now. <laughs> hit me, hit, hit me, guys. Go ahead. All right. I, I can I, I'll start since I think I have the moderate view on this panel, surprisingly. Or maybe not surprisingly, actually, given my history. What did you say? You um, say four or you said five? I said I would give it a five for okay. the first episode. So most of the reason I don't like it is because of the second episode. So I'm not going to talk about that. Something but, to look forward uh, to. <laughs> yeah. Something to look forward to guys. Uh, but the, the first, the first episode. So I, I did kind of uh, the cheesy setup of, Oh, I want to get off this planet and the, re and some of the rebel stuff I wasn't really thrilled with, but when it got to the, the combat and you see the, the uh, brutality of all, which surprised the crap out of me with somebody's face. Yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, and I, I thought that the, the action sequences were pretty, were pretty on point. Uh, I don't mind the way the elites looked in terms of CGI. I thought that big. they were okay. I thought big, they looked yeah, they're, spo they're supposed to be big. I thought they looked pretty good. Well, I mean, they look, uh, I mean, they look, bigger, they look more like the gorilla guys. The I, they're supposed to be that big uh, compared to, to normal humans. Covenant. Yeah. 
the 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 uh, the the reason that that you're used to seeing the normal size is because you play as Master Chief, who's also huge. Uh, but compared to normal humans, they're but enormous. then these Spartans aren't huge. The new ones? They're not. They're not elite size for what was depicted. Yeah, uh, the the I mean, there's some consistency issues, but if okay. you watch okay. like the these if, are if legitimate the, questions. This isn't me setting you up sure. for an attack, Travis. For sure. No, no, for sure. Uh, and, and if you watch the Halo Four uh, opening cutscene, which I do like once a month because it's so good, um, sure. You, you can you can see a human getting stabbed by Elite, and you'll see the scale. It's like okay, yeah, the, the, these guys are enormous compared. Uh, so then the gorilla guys are even bigger. They are. The yes, they are. Uh, I think eleven and a half feet or something. Yeah, is that brutes? Am I right? Brute. Brute. Oh, correct. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was all good. My, my main problem is like the second half after it. And and by the way, Ains, I do not have a problem with the helmet removal. I think they needed to rip that Band-Aid off early because yeah, it, it's did. really hard to show emotion without the helmet. And I think that the actor who's playing Master Chief is doing a really good job so far. He's probably the best part of the show. Um, but the, the, the writing, it, to me, is pretty cringe. The low budget kind of uh, perf- like uh, the um, uh, kind of value i don't know how you say it uh i'm, I'm blanking right now um it is a production value thank you the production value is, is, is pretty low and then my main problem with it is it is it is like soul crushingly pessimistic about humanity in a way that i don't think halo is like the fact that like you know you start with the civil war which has always been part of halo but then it immediately becomes like straight up game of thrones where like the government is like against master chief and they try to commit murder of like this woman and like halsey is is wants to betray everyone and like you you, every every shot in that room where where it's all of the leaders of the unsc kind of like arguing i hated like every part of that i was just like like it, it it kind of just like crushes you with like its pessimism of like everything's bad and everyone's like a murderer and and like humanity is doomed and and what's weird is that halo has always been the opposite message where like humanity immediately comes together and like fights the covenant and it's presented as like we're we're valorious like heroes uh fighting against this like cult and i i feel like that is really lost in the show and it it tries to like Mm -hmm. bring humanity into the mud in like this really not halo way and so for me it doesn't have to be like the games but i feel like the tone is kind of important that the tone feels very wrong to me so so did you uh, so a couple questions for you on that on those two points so did you not feel that when the spartans came in at the beginning and you know they set it up by the the uh insurgents basically talking about the unsc being murderers right Correct. which is yeah, known, yeah. that's part of halo um, and then when the Spartans come in, they basically react and start fighting together against the Covenant because they have a shared enemy, right? So it kind of sets that up. But the the other thing about the the whole scene there that you're talking about, and, and yes, I, I agree, the writing's not brilliant. It's not going to win awards by any stretch. But I, I really did enjoy Halsey um, because Halsey is, above all else, she's the mother of the Spartans. As you know, the original Spartans call her mom. Um, but she is defiant. Uh, I mean, that's part of her core. She's character. a rogue for sure. And, and Spartans to her are her children and they come above all else. So I really liked how she kind of walked the line in this episode of taking orders from UNSC, but kind of, you know, always being having chief and kind of getting excited. You can see her right there. She gets excited when she she's chief take off because, you know, chief is her baby, basically. Um, see, I thought I thought that was all on point. I, I, I agree that if you're a Halo uh, aficionado like you and I are, that all makes sense. But if you think about it in the in the 
uh, framework of this is a new show with new things. It just seemed like everyone was super eager to betray humanity and each yeah, other for, for, for like no reason. All you can tell she's got like the secret project with clones, which you'll get into the next episode. The, you know, she's oh, no. like the, the, the captains are all <laughs> fighting with each other and, and commit and doing all this stuff. And it's just like, it, it kind of spirals really quickly in a, like in a, in a just seriously pessimistic way. I, I mean, and then, and then the the human member of the covenant muddies the waters even further. Yeah. Of like, like yeah, you know what I mean? What like, the hell is that? Is that anything? I don't. To like, anything I mean, nobody knows. Nobody knows. My first <laughs> instinct was, oh, this is so you don't have to render mercy as often. But I, I don't know. Stop it. I, that that was my uh, literal first thought. Is for budget. Oh, a yeah, human being budget. doesn't require as much makeup as a Klingon. I mean, like that's the kind of thing you see in Star Trek. For sure. Um, no, that is that is one of the key points in that episode where many people, even Halo nerds, are like, "Okay, what's going on here?" Because we we for just sure. don't really know. We don't know. Okay, for sure. all right. Um, I didn't know. See, I I did really want to ask you that because I know we we're not supposed to bring the lore in, so maybe I am in a good seat for trying to figure I, this. I out. I really think you are. <laughs> I really think you are. I would prefer to know nothing just for this show for a second. But I don't know that that's even right because my, the stuff that pops out at me is this enormous clunkiness of what in the hell is happening at any time, right? So first of all, I would strongly recommend you not start your brand new pilot episode of a show with a 20 minute action scene where you basically don't know anybody involved. And that that to me was a real stinker if you don't just like to see things shooting other things because I need to have some stakes. I need to know some investment and whoa, the UNSC is bad. And hey, there's Bern Gorman. Hey, he was in the expanse on an alien world that was rebelling. <laughs> That'll be that good, good casting. Um, and High casting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as soon as I saw him, I'm like, this is the exact same context as season four of the expanse. Fair enough. Um, so you get those ridiculous scenes and then you get shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And, and we can really dissect that if you want, because it does some of the stupid stuff that action movies do, which is like the rebels use a mini cannon and then nothing happens, and then Chief gets it, and everybody dies. And you're like, okay, I know the Spartans are special, but that's just a gun. Uh, fair enough, whatever. And, and so it's I, I counted it because it was so long and boring to me because it's just an action scene. It's like 21 minutes before people start talking. Um, and then you get the you get the past 21 minutes. So as you can tell, I have played all the Halos. But none of like the details that you have described have sunk into me. I know the baseline plot from one, Same. two, and three, and I'm going to agree with Travis entirely about what Halo means from just that kind of superficial understanding, which is, you know, Halo One is big damn heroes hiding the location of Earth because this crazy freaking religious cult has come and they can't let any of this information get out. And yeah, they're crashing on Halo. You don't need to start on the Halo. I don't have any problem with that. But it's it's this notion that this bad thing that we made, the Spartans, is going to be the saviors. They're going to save everybody. And humanity is going to react together with all this stuff. And the UNSC might have all that evil background. But if we're not using that background for our understanding of Halo, as the games play out, as you're playing Master Chief, that, that isn't critical to what Halo feels like as a story, as a narrative, while you're playing it. It's a, it's a background element. Isn't it interesting that Chief and his buddies were in, in, were brought into being for uh, not so great purposes. But now we have them and, and we can fight the Covenant uh, with them. But what I loved about Halo was that notion that you're fighting for the very existence from the very start. I mean, Halo starts basically in media res, 
right? You, you P- Pillar of Autumn is just under attack. You're at a halo. Um, and and an action scene. Interesting. <laughs> I like that. Well, it's a video <laughs> game. Uh, so, you know, I do think if you're going to go out with really haughty interviews about how we don't care about it being a game, we're interested in storytelling first. Here's a 22 minute action scene. Uh, then you got a problem with me. So I'm watching this and I, I know I, I was making sound effects, but like you guys are giving a lot more benefit of the doubt to the, to the CGI in that scene than I am. I mean, it is, Which it one? is uh, the opening action scene, elites running yeah. around, sparking, no, there's, there's some issues. midair jumping, you know, there's, oh, there's sure. a whole bunch of stuff. There's a swap they do where like one of the people is there, clearly the armor is there. And then like they swap it to CGI. And I was like, Ooh, like that's that, that, that one went bad in the middle of that scene. But again, the, the bigger part is not an action scene. It's a narrative. I don't care about these people. I don't care about these minds. I don't, I don't know what I should care about when you open that way and you, and you spend a full like sitcom length of time shooting things. And then you get into the, you get to the show. And here's what I have a problem with. And maybe Ains, you can disabuse me of my notions here. <laughs> Was Master Chief brainwashed in the original lore? Because I never got kind the of. feeling kind that of. Chief... What? Yeah, kind, kind of, of yeah. yeah. You think so? Because I no, Chief- I know so. Like that's <laughs> that, that, that's literally part of it. Yeah, it's they, part of it. They rip them from their their childhood homes. They create a clone of their kid, right, of him to put back in the home, so the parents and families and society doesn't know. And then, and then basically the they wipe them. Yeah, the kid dies a few years later. That's a whole later. different story. But Chief and all the Spartan twos, basically the initial program, they're they're wiped of their memories, so they don't know their families. They don't know any siblings they don't know anything about what happened i thought specifically my remembrance of this was that there was a conversation or a log or a clip or something that they don't wipe their memories because they were worried that if they found out they would rebel against them i I really thought that this was there okay fair enough like i said not an expert uh so that's fine i i have a problem with master chief essentially i I have a problem with the entire plot of this pilot and where i think the season's going to go because to me you set up what the world is in a fairly normal fashion before you have the plot that you just showed. You set up the status quo. You set up who these people are. You don't break the original <laughs> character's psychology at the start because I don't know what he's breaking from. And I think that treating the UNSC as evil empire is a little superficial again. So it, it's it's good versus evil. It's a breaking of a person. But I don't know really what they were like before. And then what I really am worried about is towards the ending of that uh, episode, you know, it looks exactly like Mando. I mean, it, it's straight up, you know, wolf and cub. And it's like, I don't, God, help me if it's, if it is again. It is. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's Mandalorian, except for baby Yoda's replaced by Quan Ha. It's it that like the exact same sort of like, I'm going to go against everything. I, but, I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree with a lot of that. Um, I, I get your point about breaking uh, chief psyche with the, the, the flash of memory. Right. Because to your point, if you're, and an ancient artifact, it's like, okay. If you're coming into the show fresh like you or, or Dan or people who really don't under, you know, who haven't dove into it, like we've said before, then, yeah, that doesn't really make a lot of sense because you don't have the context for what Chief even is at that point. Um, and, and I agree. I, I don't know where they're going with the babysitter approach here. Um, so Or the UNSC being the bad guy. Like, I feel like most of the first episode is the UNS, th- them fighting the UNSC. The beginning is the covenant, and then there's 40 minutes of them fighting the UNSC, and it's like, what? Like they're they shouldn't be the bad guys here. Like you guys are getting attacked by aliens. Like now's the time to unite. I thought we talk about bad writing. I mean, yeah, bad bad plotting is there. Why in the world do you issue the Article 72 when you just had a conversation about chiefs acting real weird? 
Like, like what, what are you doing there? Let's if trigger him. important to you. Right. Yeah. Let's do something that'll for sure trigger him. The already weird behaving master chief. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they're setting it up because the, you know, keys, right. Not, not the, I forget the name of the woman who's obviously in charge of the UNSC in that installation. Um, but Did they name it, her? I might've missed it. The, the only thing that's weird about that scene to, to people like us is keys is a, is a key character in the games. Um, and then his daughter, Miranda, who also plays a key part in the show, is a key character. And so, like, you have this, the people like us who really love Halo have this uh, affection for Keys and that family and Halsey and stuff. But this other leaders in the show who's making all these demands and threatening Chief. Completely and new. Yeah, and it's it's not only new, but to your guys' point, it's like, okay, this is, it, it's it's a lot right at the start. Because you, you do combine, the, your two points together, Hogue, are very clear, which is, if you're if you're coming into the show new and not having any context, right? All you know is that Chief is a Spartan and they're special, uh, but you don't know about this that. whole memory flashback thing. And at the same time, you've got the head of whatever installation this is threatening to kill Chief, which seems counter. Um, sure. It's I, I do get I do get the issues you're talking about. I, I do agree in that. Sense. Well, that's the clunkiness, right? I, I I know enough to be dangerous on this stuff now because I have notions of these things and I have notions of certain of these characters. And then I'm like, well, this doesn't, you know, this isn't good criticism, but it doesn't feel like Halo. It doesn't evoke any of the feelings I had playing Halo while I watched this. And some of that might be the Game of Thrones thing. UNSC oh. is clearly set up as being an evil empire in a way I wasn't expecting. And is going to set up, it's, it's difficult for me to imagine them walking the stakes back on that pretty easily. So you, you talk about the characters you know, I see a plot line that is going to be, well, they're going to be the rebels. They're going, to, they're going to steal the big equipment from the UNSC and get it out to Chief on the Halo that he arrives at at some point. Presumably there will be a Halo uh, at some yeah. point in this show. And they're going to steal it, and then they're going to be against both sides, and they're going to meet the Arbiter or whatever. And they're, they're, they're going to do something that's, like, tangential to what we know. Would be like The more you talk, I'm starting to wonder, and Travis, I don't know about your thoughts, but I'm starting to wonder if, if the people who know Halo but only know the games are actually done a disservice here. That's what I know. I didn't read yeah. books. Yeah, and I rather than having zero context or a lot of context, you're in we kind have of just middle, enough to be just dangerous. enough just really to really feel weird. Yeah, where yeah. feeling odd because yeah. there is in many of the stories within the Halo universe, right? The UNSC is seen as the bad guy. They are seen as an empire, an evil empire, um, and that's what they set up with the insurrectionists at the beginning. But, but they always they it's sort of like humanity was in a bad spot and then we got attacked by aliens and we all kind of got our crap together Agreed. and united Agreed. and and i feel like that is super missing from the show because they've been fighting these aliens for years and they're still mostly fighting how long have they how long i talk about writing again what is your understanding of how long they've been dealing with covenant known about covenant at all when this starts it's in, years in the show in, in the, the show, it's years. they they, the they say years. years. They say they do. In the show. they do say it. Oh, but yeah. don't doesn't one of the rebels say essentially they thought the covenant was a lie? Correct. Yes. Because the, there's because they he, have a very bad distribution of information across okay. the again. Galaxy. This is yeah. this is going back to knowing more or knowing nothing. Is yeah. their outer colonies in the galaxy have this negative uh, reputation of the UNSC, and they basically believe that the covenant and all of this stuff is conspiracy theory. They don't believe that any of this is They're happening. They're QAnon. Uh, yeah basically so yeah. again like uh, i think people like maybe travis and i and others have enough context to understand some of these other plot points 
And people still have nope. writing though, Ames. For, I, for, I'm not for just, new that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, no, as, a, as a product, I don't feel like I was brought into the fold enough. And then, like, you switch to high charity, it doesn't even get. I, I was like, what are we talking about? And who's that? And what is this? And then back to is that Reach, where 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 yes. UNSC Command is? You know, back back to there, and it's. I, to me, I, I know enough that I think I can understand it. I, I had real problems with them taking enough time to explain things. I, when I said you don't break his mind in the first episode, you don't run this plot line, I, to me, I think you have to run status quo for a little while. One of my favorite things that sci-fi shows have done is, is Babylon 5, where they essentially spend a year just kind of showing what this thing looks like and how it runs so that you can understand when it breaks, right? And instead, they leapt straight to season two and a half and so, said, we're going to run the plot right now. And it's like, okay, I don't understand anything about what anything is. And I, you you bring in a magic stone and I already suspect you're writing. I think that, okay, not to make excuses for it. It'll sound like one, but I that's okay. probably part of the burden of coming in with a beloved franchise, a beloved hero and 20 years of game, book, comic, and graphic novel and everything else history is how much in episode we're talking about one episode remember not even in season right one episode what the hell do you do in episode one that's going to satiate these fans like me right and people like you and people who have never heard of halo before i how the hell do you walk that line because if they go the route you're saying hogue where it's like they spend the season setting up the story the characters the arc the spartans all these different aspects in the halo world right People like me would be like, Jesus Christ, man, they, they haven't done anything. Like, I don't know what you would be, oh, at least based on the reaction of the first scene I see online. You show super soldiers kicking ass. You have essentially a first contact, maybe, plot line that, that ends with, you know, some mass discovery about the memories that you've lost and that kind of thing. And then you break away. They could have away set up Master Chief more. They could have, they could have walked it back and Chief done more. like it. They could, they could have walked it back and done like a Spartans being trained sort of thing to fight insurrectionists. I agree with Hogue on this, man. I, I think they really... As, as a general rule of storytelling, it's good to start in the middle, but I think they started too much in the middle. Like I, it's for me, they started like way in the middle and, and mm. that works in a game when you have so much time to kind of explain to the player as they play. But I don't, I don't think it translates to the show. I think they picked the wrong jumping off point personally. They, they also, could have just put something in there that was, you know, like a, like a little three or four minute, you know, flashback. Know, in, like, like, yeah, like a flashback, like this is, this, yeah. you know, these are Spartans. This is where they came from. Setting, yeah, like a set kind but of a setting. You have up. the great twist there, exactly. Like if the UNSC is evil and they brainwashed, and you could set up your show where that isn't known, and like that's one of your big revelations that would mean something. I don't. Okay, yeah. he's brainwashed. He touched a weird rock, and now he's he's like more emotional. I, it, it's it's very difficult to parse for me. And then yeah, the, the high charity scene. Oh, well, we like, have to see where that goes. Out of nowhere, like. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's Promethean influence here with the with what he found, and you know, there, there's context there, but we don't know. Again, yeah. it, it's one episode. I'm more interested, um, obviously, to see where this arc goes over the course of this season because I I could either enjoy it more or I could be a lot more critical depending on how they build upon these initial right. spots. Have you? Uh, did you guys catch the uh, Mass Effect reference? They say Commander Shepard, don't they? Somebody, there's like a PA announcement. It's like Commander Shepard to the deck or something the like deck, that. I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's cool. very good. You should, you should That's listen cool. to it. Um, Dan, so I want to hear from you because you said you didn't really care for it either. You, I think, 
don't let me speak for you, but very similar to Hogue. You've played the games, but don't really care other than that. Yeah. So come, I mean, overall thoughts. I mean, I thought it was a CW show, to be honest with you. At first, I was like, man, this is with, with a slightly higher budget. I, I, I find it hard to believe that in the 270 plus different forms that this script took or whatever it was, the writing <laughs> that in the last 10 years ish, you know, that there wasn't one better you know, just one, uh, it's just, there was, there were moments where I was just like, Oh, you know, I can, this is cool. You know, like, you know, like they, I think they really did a good job with his armor. Just like, I think, armor looks great. I think he looks yeah, amazing. Looks great. The know? actor in the armor. Master yeah. Chief is great. There was a lot of parts that I really, really liked. Um, but there was, it was just seemed cheap a little bit, a little bit too cheap for me. Like there was some, like the, the, the dialogue too, there was some, and maybe this is this is again this is where I don't know Halo well enough. Like when uh, when Halsey tells the other three Spartans, mm-hmm. you know, go in there, you're going to defend him, defend whatever it takes. And and then whatever the the leader guy was, the big guy, Kai, he says maybe. because Master Chief is you know right, Doctor. You know, I was just like, oh man, it, it was a <laughs> bit of a crazy line. Yeah, I was just like, come on, man. They, we well, have a couple they, of those call and responses, which like mean you right. mean the UNSC? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, good expository yeah. dialogue. Yeah, and it, it, but I, I think you know this is a, this, the way that these uh, these streaming services are doing stuff now. Paramount Plus is no different. It's just those long form movies, and and they're basically cut into these hour long episodes. So it's hard. I think I think it, it shows like in in certain in certain shows you can go okay, this is good. It did a really good job parsing out this episode. And then the next one, you know, might not be as good. But then the what, you know, if you sit there and watch them, I think all at one time, it maybe it'll be better. But based off of what I've seen so far, I'm not like really looking forward to two and three and four. I mean, I'm going to watch them all. But it's it's like Hoag said, we we have just enough knowledge, like people like us, that you know, I had a problem with the helmet thing, only because that was part of the mystery. I think of Master Chief, and for me as you know, as the character. Um, and when he took it off, I was just kind of like, Hey, it's, it's a guy, you know? And it's just like, uh, whatever, <laughs> you know? And, and it just doesn't seem like I had a, in my head, I had a totally different picture of what maybe he looked like, yep. you know? So I think, I think I'll probably, was, it you, Dan? probably was it you and your prime? No, no, no. He was much thinner. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, how do I want to say this? So the, not the, just to jump in on that point about the helmet, uh, yeah. and I've seen some people care about it. And funny enough, my buddy texted me this morning. He's like, I actually really liked it. I just didn't like him taking off his helmet. I was like, okay. Um, but if if you know the extended stuff, right? Like his helmet's been off in the comics. Sure. His helmet's been off in the mo- in the other movies. I mean, and the games. Uh, yeah, well, kind of, right? When you're legendary endings, get out of here, Travis. But, no, but at, the, the, at the end of Halo Combat Evolved, he takes off his helmet. You just, uh, unfortunate camera angle cuts his head off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. right, so, I'm not but, saying he's incapable. He has to eat. I'm just, of course, <laughs> yeah, he's a normal human. It's it's not like he's like Mando where he's like a cultist who doesn't take off his helmet. Like he he takes off his helmet whenever he's Mando's not Mando's hilarious when he's eating, when he does the... yeah. The, the, like, the, okay, that might be a little too much. Yeah. The point I best heard about Chief, and whether you accept this or not, but the point I best heard about Chief and the whole helmet thing is, in the games, you're Chief, right? And so you play the role of Chief. 
Uh, so the helmet doesn't really have the significance because you are the hero. Whereas when you're talking about the context of the character, especially in books and novels and these other graphic visual things they have, the movies, um, then you're showing the character. And so I think they approached it, as Travis said, I agree that I, if they're going to take the helmet off, which I think they need to for the show, I'm glad they did Agreed. it in episode one. Just start with it. Here, Here's Chief. Here's the character playing him. Move on. Yeah, yeah, take his armor off. off. Have him in some shorts, maybe yeah. a halter. I mean, you know, whatever. Hey. I'm one of yeah. those guys who thinks like Mando took too long to do it. Like the fact that you Mando have to watch is not a good show. Okay, so I mean, <laughs> that's really the biggest. Issue. All right, so I'm, so I'm with I'm with Hogue on this one. So this is funny. Mando's not a good show. It's got some good premises and a lot of money, uh, but we, we don't have to talk about Mandalorian. No, no, please, right no. this second. I, look. I entirely admit that this is part of what I'm bringing to the party as a person, but he takes his helmet off and I actually laughed because it just didn't look <laughs> remotely like what I was expecting. Master Chief. Like, I think in my head, he's something like, you know, a version of like doom guy. Um, or, or like he's, but, he's, but, he's a weird ginger kid who looks like but a that's, ghost. That's solely on you though. Like well, when, okay. you, but, but when you no, say it wasn't what I expected. Right? Well, what so did you expect? So there's a couple things you're trying to, so again, this is about the breaking of the psyche problem, right? So he's trying to show the kid to show that he's a human. That's fine. Then he keeps the helmet off in a danger situation. And then you get the really weird acting to me, which is like, I'm not saying anything about this actor. This is no offense to this actor because he's emoting. I could see why he has made it in Hollywood and everything else. He, he's making weird reactions that I don't expect of Master Chief as a character, either as introduced in this show or with my experience as a game where he's got like a bug-eyed look over his shoulder when they're under fire and he's trying to take off the ship uh, and, and like just very, very interesting things that you can put into the plot line of, well, this rock changed me, but that isn't at all what I was expecting. So look, they're telling a different story. That's their story to tell. I, I have told people, I think it can be fine generic sci-fi if that's okay. It's just not evoking Halo remotely to me. Uh, here, and so Master Chief with his helmet off, don't really care. Uh, the actor seems good. There's a whole bunch of little things that I have a problem with. You know, one of the things that Halo, in terms of sound mixing, I, I've always liked is that Master Chief always talks like he's on the upper, uh, another layer. Like he, his voice always booms higher than everybody else. And they don't have that set. So he sounds very soft when he's making his call outs for, what does he say? Silver team on me or, or whatever the heck. Silver team, yeah. yeah he, he, he yells. It, it's, it's not that kind of voice of God. Um, which is how Master Chief is is mixed in his games. Uh, and so they're trying to make something else. They're trying to make a different character. What I have a problem with on that end is it doesn't, if you're not going to feel like Halo, to me, you're just trying to make bank off a brand. I will watch your generic sci-fi show, Paramount. God knows I've wasted enough time watching your Star Treks uh, that aren't great. <laughs> yes, uh, but, oh my God. I've seen. Well, I think I, I think we were in chat. I think we were in DMs or whatever. I said I'm going to just go back to watch Picard season two. That should tell you how I felt about the Halo premiere. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it doesn't feel right. You add on clunky exposition. You add on low production values. You add on some ridiculous CGI choices. And I don't trust you because the pilot is usually where you put your best foot forward. It's where you put a bunch of money that in the finale to convince me to watch. And I agree with you, Ains. It's only one episode, and there's serial storytelling, but you know, I got Kirby to play. I got other things to do with my time. Yeah. In I mean, conclusion, the... in conclusion, TV shows, you're boring, games rule. And, <laughs> well, that's, uh, and, that's the I, problem, I, I honestly, right? 
I, 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 yeah, movies and TV shows bore the crap out of me these days, just because games. I, are so, so much I disagree with Travis. I know that's a rarity in this yeah. space. But... Games, can we, um, can we, can we nitpick one last thing? Just two Halo uh, aficionados. Go ahead. I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking this way because I'm reading all the comments because there's a lot of them. Yeah, around, sure. uh, you know, just thoughts. So I'm gonna read okay. some of these comments, but please go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say my nitpick for the show that is a totally inconsequential kind of uh, a, a um, gripe is yep. uh i don't i don't like that halsey is british i can't believe her as british because to me halsey is like so american she's like aggressively american just like her ambition and her like her like uh independent just gene and all that stuff and so when i heard the british voice out of her i was like I can't believe you as British. I just don't think you would have the balls. I think that's that you because have you understand you that. I, I think that's because you have this. I think that's because you have this flawed view of Americans in general. So oh come you're, on, you're 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 way over here. Uh, no, I mean in, in terms of TV I'm, and I'm movies, joking, Travis, joking, you recognize that like English accent has always been a signal. That's what I was going to say for sure. So there, there's she's got to cool be a she... fancy scientist. But the thing is, yes. like. To your point, Ains, the the flawed view of American is that like Halsey joking is with you. Flaw, Halsey is a flawed person, and I, to she me, is. she represents a lot of like the American mindset and independence and all that stuff. Like that, I don't know. To me, that's fair. The, Br that's the fair. British, the British accent to me took a little bit of like the power out of her because to me, she's hey. just like she's just a. A, just a, a, a bullet train just like blowing through all that bureaucracy and getting stuff done and changing the world and and i i just don't see that from the late empire that was uh britain but, but I, I don't is, know i just it is it is empire right it is star wars it's it's pulling in that british it is it's, yeah it's it, and, and when when the british people like looking over the yes yeah i was like oh my <laughs> god it's star wars it's so bad so it yeah. didn't, i i think yeah i mean i see what you mean of course but i mean i yeah I, it didn't bother me i thought halsey generally speaking was one of the better parts of the show yeah. um she as a, younger than i was expecting as a character um yeah. um i'm a little nervous about when they showed her you know apparently creating cortana we're gonna see how that plays out but um anyway was that uh, let me read is that are they are they making a cortana robot is that what that was so it it looks to me like she's creating because if you if you i've watched it twice remember if you look at the the face of the what she's creating, the whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, in the pod. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it looks like her, and Cortana is Halsey. I mean, ha Cortana was created as an AI Halsey, um, and so it looks like that's I where they're going. I thought it was another Spartan. I thought they were trying to show us how Spartans get Spartaned. No, okay. <laughs> how Spartans get Spartan. Okay. Well, this is again going to the writing. It's like it's trying to be mysterious there, but I don't know the baseline. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because she was talking about the Cortana program, right? I and well, yeah, again, yeah, you anyway. talk about knowing enough to be dangerous, right? I'm like, okay, the chip. <laughs> you know, the chip. The chip, smack yeah. into your head. A blue girl pops up, you know. <laughs> so let me read some of these comments just to catch up. Um, Luke is very straightforward. He says, kick Hogue off the show. Sure. Um, you know, uh, we're not going to do that. never but saw me you. again. <laughs> Abe, uh, Abe said he's a little too pretty for Chief, and I think that's where Travis was going, which I kind of agree with. I don't mind Pablo. I think he's a good actor. I think he's doing a good job of Chief. What I would have liked for them to have done is to make him pale because the Spartans are like, especially Chief, it was already as a kid a pale ginger. That's what Chief is uh, as a kid. But then the, the Spartans themselves are known to be kind of more pale with different kind of uh, eyes, which they even show in Forward Unto Dawn. 
And so because they're in the suit all the time that, you know what I mean? So they don't I, take their helmets off. Yeah. That sense. <laughs> so I, I would have, I would have liked to, to have them to do that, but that's okay. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, uh, uh Cheo says the issue I have with them taking the helmet off is the same one I have at any show where their military trained person makes them vulnerable to someone and they have no reason to do that or no reason to trust the person he's with. Yeah, I mean that was part of the writing too, whether you agree with it or not. The trust happens a little too quickly for me. It happens too he, quickly. He, yeah. he likes her based off of like one, you know, water cooler breakfast conversation and yeah and, he, to throw and they're trying away, to do but. it to show his humanity but it was very quick to back to his point of very he did not yeah. earn it for they sure. want to be in, though, but Correct. grogu's a baby i mean like that's they, they're trying to set up these things in a similar way yeah uh, I have no doubt that that script changed when Mandalorian became as popular as it did. I have no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Arvin says, I do agree with Hokier. Chief's decision about taking off his helmet didn't make sense in the moment. Either Chief gets too emotional after touching the relic or it's bad writing. Fair enough. Uh, Ao says uh, she was originally British. So if that's true, oh, I didn't know. That was uh, Cortana was originally supposed to have a British accent, which is why. In Halo One, she says "sawed off," which is like not something you hear Americans say. But uh, that that hasn't really—that's not part of canon. And to me, I feel like the way that she's written is she's written in, a, in as an American. You know, Halo, re, watch Halo Four. I mean, all those cutscenes like she's American. Did Cortana going to speak British then? Yeah, yeah, she was going to, but she she well, doesn't. No, no, no. Is our Cortana going to speak British? It's Jen no, Taylor. It's Jen Taylor. So no, yeah, Jen no. Taylor's the same voice in the games is doing the voice in the show. Yeah. Wait, uh, so if that is a robot, Halsey, correct. we're going to have yeah. a different voice come out of correct, it? Correct, Hogue. Correct, Hogue. Everything, uh, yeah. I'm not no, 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 it. no. What do you mean different voice? It's the same voice. Cortana's the same Same voice. voice for Cortana in the games, but he's talking about the actress that plays Cortana. But that's not... And the actress that plays uh, Halsey in the show are different voices. Even oh, though yeah. They're, even though they're clones of each other. Yeah, just like it was... A, that, that's like the games. Too. But if they, okay, but if it's going to... But they just showed a clone... The reason Travis asked about it was they just showed a clone that looks like Halsey. So are right. they going to have a different voice come out of a human being? Is that we are they planning to overdub a Cortana voice? I don't. I don't yeah, I think I, I think the step? answer is yes, but we haven't seen it, so I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Cortana in the games, but why would you take that step? All right, I got. We got. We got to see. That would be the stupidest thing ever. See, you're smiling, well, Travis. Does this happen in episode two? It, it sounds like next week's going to be even more fun. So, um, See, this Dave, is why you should release your show episodic, because we got to dive way deeper into one episode than yeah. we ever would if they released a show all it's at once. True. And some of us had watched it all and all that. I love the, the weekly model. They should do that. Uh, Damien says, as a Brit, Travis, he's offended. Plus, you can certainly see he has no idea about British women. That's I was actually writing a reply to him, but you'd be surprised about my knowledge of British women, as, uh, as Ames I, would. But... Uh, but uh, I, I, think... I will say, I, I, it's nothing against British people. It's just my kind of relationship with Halsey and like who she is as a character doesn't really match with the <laughs> British accent. But it's all good. It's all good. All right, we're done with it. Well, let's let's move on from Halo Show. We do have a couple super chats that came in during um, Mr. Luke. Yeah, two dollar super chat. Joe sucks. That's great. <laughs> He's got to get it in sure. every week. I love the yeah. consistency, Luke. That's what I like most about this message. Um, and Dutch uh, in Dutch. as well. Yeah, with five pounds, watch Halo Forward Unto Dawn. That will help with the USN or UNSC slash insurrectionist story and first point of collaboration versus covenant. Yeah, there's some context there for sure. 
Yeah, Forward Unto Dawn is just well. There's Forward Unto Dawn, which is the live action one, but then there's um, the Fall of Reach is the animated one, which will give you more context on Spartan Halsey, etc. So there, there's there's a lot of good context out there if you want it, of course. But thank you guys, appreciate the super chats. All right, guys, we got to just what else are we talking about? PlayStation acquiring Haven. So I just wanted Weird. to touch on this. Yeah. So. Uh, here, here's the point about this. So if you, I think everyone's kind of familiar with the details. This came out, you know, nearly a week ago now. Um, but they Haven was set up last year, founded by Jade Raymond. If you don't know who Jade Raymond is, she was the producer on some early Assassin's Creed games. She's kind of been around the industry, an industry vet, if you will. Um, set up this new studio called Haven Studios. And they already announced that they were kind of partnering with PlayStation to build a multiplayer game announced uh, on Monday that PlayStation is formally acquiring them as as part of their kind of first party studios. They are working on a triple A multiplayer game. The only thing I want to get your guys viewpoint on this, because sometimes it sounds harsh and I don't mean it this way, but I hear Jade Raymond's name a lot. And it gets thrown around as this kind of big name that's going to lead something truly special. Um, Her resume from an outside perspective, I'm not in the industry. I don't know what she's like, obviously. But her resume does not seem to indicate that. Her resume is is not that impressive from an industry standpoint. She was a producer on a couple of Assassin's Creed games, and she hasn't done much since. And I and that was years ago. And I'm I'm very curious. Obviously, Which Assassin's Creed games. That's the, the early one for it. Yeah. yeah, and that's fair. Producer though, it's not. She's not creative well, director. She's, she's credited not... with the concept for Assassin's Creed. I don't have any idea whether that she's she's, she's credited as the, the person that came up with Assassin's Creed. You got real loud for a split second there, but it's yeah, fine. Yeah, I saw now. that. I heard that. Was that StreamYard? I, you guys acted shocked. I was like, I didn't think that was. No, it's, it's other just like the show. Yeah. Um, so, so again, outside looking in. But the only point I was making is obviously PlayStation see something here, right? Um, they were already partnering with them. And now, I don't know, you would have to imagine there's a reason that PlayStation, um, you know, is, is willing to do this. Now, of course... You know, from a business perspective, it makes sense to to buy early, buy cheap if you see something in in long. But we don't real early, yeah, real early. So when he says founded a company, it's not eleven months old. I think. I mean, it might be it's something like that. Yeah, and, and the funniest thing about their site, if you look at their site, it says something like "We build these grand experiences" or something. I'm like, you haven't built anything. It's aspirational. <laughs> <laughs> like what yeah. do you say? You haven't built anything. That's the first thing you do is you make a mission and you know sure. that's sort of thing. You put it on the about page. That goes but. back to my favorite, my favorite motto of any game company, which was origin. We create worlds. I love that. Three words. Perfect. Yeah, we Perfect. create worlds. That's a great thing. Yeah. Uh so anyway, yeah, I, I, I sorry, Travis. I was just gonna say this this obviously plays into what I do like about this is it, it signifies even further beyond Bungie, beyond Fire Sprite and these other all these moves signify that PlayStation recognizes they have a gap in their first party portfolio, right? And they're they're looking to build upon that, which I like because I am a multiplayer gamer. I love that stuff. So I hope PlayStation, you know, I hope this all turns out well. They build something fantastic and we love it. Um sure. but it, it does seem, you know, it does seem um uh, it seems like a lot of investment for something that's entirely oh. unproved. This panel is going to hate the game that Haven puts out because yeah, it's based a, on their description. It, it is a game as a service through and through. And yes. it's, it's going to, yeah, you guys are going to hate it for sure. Uh, I, th- th- I, so my tweet kind of said everything I have to say about this topic, which is that uh, I don't think I it, 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 it's, it's basically that was the hate parade day. 
the hate parade day. <laughs> oh. uh, this is uh yeah, basically, basically that uh that Sony is pre-ordering a video game here. They're they're buying a studio that hasn't produced any games on the the promise that they they might produce something that's good. So that just means that they've probably seen stuff that we don't have, and they decided to acquire this company before doing their usual process of um, you know or their alleged usual process of vetting the studio and building a relationship with them over years. So it, 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 it's, it's a weird acquisition though. It's usually studios do not get acquired at this stage. And I think there's a good reason for that. I think that studios that are in, yeah. Studios that are independent and studios that have to kind of like fight a little bit more and prove, prove kind of their, uh, their time in the ringer. I think that is an important part of studio growth and it shouldn't be, you know, I create a studio with some big names and some hype behind it, and then we get acquired. And then presumably those people, any of them that had the the same kind of entrepreneurial mind that they had before, they would just leave and do it again, right? Like that sort of thing. Let's start another studio, get acquired again by Sony. We'll just keep selling the same product to them. Uh, so it, it uh, I, yeah, I, I have my qualms about this acquisition, but whatever. Sony going to Sony, go for it. Get, get Unfortunately, that as we know, and we discussed a few weeks ago, it's incredibly easy to develop a AAA live service game out of the gate with a new studio. I mean, what? Yes, for sure. sure. There are no it's hiccups easy. at all. Yeah. There are no hiccups at all. No, I mean, I think, so I, I called it hate parade day because I got absolutely smashed by seemingly every Sony PlayStation fan on the planet when I said, well, this is uh, our consolidation. And uh, Sony's essentially changed their MO to buy a game company before they've done anything. And I have all these people say, well, they bought Media Molecule. I said, that was after Little Big Planet came out. I said, well, it was barely after. I'm like, there is a quantifiable difference between we managed to have the pipeline that delivered a product and now you can talk about buying us versus this. Now, I do think you could actually be seeing a strategic venture capital transaction here where instead of a video game, what they've got is some nifty tool that they made that is going to go into their development. And Sony doesn't care whether this company actually can figure out what that is because that was nifty enough to justify whatever the purchase is that they can see it being useful for. You solved live services in some fundamental way and we want to make sure that doesn't get over to Microsoft. And so we're going to buy you now. But if it's just a game, this is this is way too early to know. You said PlayStation has seen things. Yes, they have seen things. This company has been in existence for 11 and a half months, I think, when that announcement was made. And that's still years away from a commercially viable product in usual course for a video game. So whatever they saw, they can believe is great, but there are no guarantees, even if they were already a pipeline company that was ready to go. And this is people that have come together from Google and elsewhere over the course of these past few months. So the reason you don't see yeah, acquisition- not a proven studio. No. no, the reasons you don't see it take this form is because if Sony wanted a first party studio that had roughly these people, they would have built it. They would have, they would have brought these people in. They would have built a first party studio and they would have been in control of that hiring and acquisition and growth and what the, what the organizational structure is going to be. They bought something that they didn't build in a fashion that is going to have to have at least a little bit of cultural uh, mix and, and getting them to what they want to do. It's essentially the worst of both worlds from Sony's perspective, but Microsoft's buying everything uh, and Tencent's buying everything and Embracer's buying everything. And if there's some magic there and they got insight into it, Sony's MO might right now, after the three companies they quote unquote partnered with last year, might be what I would call venture capital fundraising, st- strategic investment, which is we go get eyes, we go get observers on the board, and then we know early if we think that they're going to be something magical or not, and then we're going to buy them super early. Because as I've said before, in other spaces, Sony's got to get weird. They cannot money cannon against Microsoft. They cannot. 
So they have to go and do these various different things. And that means higher risk. I was going to say it's risk, risk reward here. The reason private equity firms and venture capital firms make some money is yes, they've abused the tax system and they've done all sorts of things. But outside of that, they have <laughs> a high level of risk for their capital. My, my clients that are funds, you know, they'll succeed on one out of 10 companies that they invest in. And with luck, if they're a well-run fund, that one company will make 20 times the investment sure. and cover the losses of the other ones. Sony has not traditionally been in this model. Sony has been in the, we're going to work together. Maybe we'll fund a little something. Little Big Planet looks pretty cool. We'll bring you in. We're going to work together with you for two decades if you're insomniac. We're pretty cool that you know what you're doing. We're going to bring you in. Those are the kinds of relationships they had. As far as I know, people tried to counter me on this on social media. I don't know that Sony has ever bought an ostensible video game company without a product to their name. I, I don't, I haven't seen it. If there is I, one, I, it's I back in the that day. That has not happened, yeah. And actually, I don't think that that's common in the industry in general on any of the uh, publishers. I, I I think that the you know, like I was saying, the the kind of model is you you make it go, you make a company go through its kind of steps. It's got to prove itself, and then you acquire it. Hopefully, before it's so big that it just takes all of your money to take it, or they become a major competitor in that middle stage. I would say, like, um, what's a good example of recent acquisition, like? I don't, Bethesda's too big to kind of compare it to, but um, Ninja Theory. Housemark, Housemark is, is, is that? Housemark's era? a great one. Housemark's a great one. Ninja Theory is a great one. Like uh, th those sorts of companies where they've, uh, Obsidian, fantastic example. They, they you know, proved their uh, kind of metal over years and then they got acquired at, at the perfect size to do so, which is like they're about to become a competitor to big publishers like EA and Ubisoft and then one of them gets bought. And I think that, that, cycle has to be able to repeat if we're just buying companies before they get that chance to develop a culture or an identity or a brand or any of that stuff then then we don't have a more lot failures. of failures yeah you're going to see, see more, more failures, failures if this is sure. where you start acquiring companies you're going to see more failures yeah. um and, sure. and that has to be acceptable to you i media molecule was the quickest that i could see they bought them like a year after lbp and that was their only product like it um yeah. that is as quick as i saw sony move in my research, I'm not claiming to have read every time they ever acquired anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just, I don't know. I, last year when they announced the partnership, that made sense to me because it's, you're partnering with a company, a new company that's going to make a, a multiplayer game. You want to learn from them. You could use a multiplayer game in your portfolio, blah, 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 blah. So I, again, I don't know, as we already said, I don't know if there's something here we don't know, which I'm sure there is that PlayStation just has greater confidence in or to, you know, Rick, to, to further your point, it's just like, look, you know, we, we've got to take some risks. We got to take some gambles. Go so this, go is a, this is a gamble that seems to potentially make sense and could pay off. We're going to go for it. So, yeah. And, I, and it wouldn't surprise me if you saw that same press release from Deviation and the, whatever the third company was that they partnered with last year. Like this, this was Sony's plan if, from the looks of things. So I, I wouldn't be surprised yep. if you saw these two smaller ones. And then people on the Xbox side, you know, ask me, well, why, why won't this be reviewed? I'm like, um, this is, is we're, we're talking like millions of dollars and not billions of dollars on these yeah, things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So AR just mentioned deviation in the chat too. So, yep. Yeah. There, there were three companies. They had those press. So what we saw from them last year is they give you a spot on their blog. They talk up the company, which is useful for hiring on their Sony on their Sony stuff. And then there's indications that they've made investment, but they yeah. don't, they don't talk about equity. They don't, it, it's unclear what is the actual connection outside of money. And that's, you know, again, that's the corporate lawyer in me because there's about 50 ways to invest uh, in a company. And so I'm curious, 
but it's unclear exactly whether they had an equity position in these companies already and they're just swamping out the rest or whether it was something more attenuated than that. Because yeah. ordinarily, Sony funding something makes, makes all the sense in the world. You go take the risks, you go build the thing. And if you're great enough, we buy you and we have the first step in the door because we're already partnering with you. What does this get them that they were so worried about that they didn't already have with a partnership relationship? That's the key question, and we can't answer it. I'm telling you, Jade Raymond, she must just... She's great in the room. I promise you she's yeah. great in the room. You she knows how to sell founders. something. Yeah, she knows you, how to sell. You go watch the Theranos documentary. She's that. I mean, she's not a fraud. I'm just saying that she's, <laughs> she's good in the room at getting people to pay attention to what her dream is or what her vision is, and that's fantastic. That's a good skill. Let's not forget, Stadia gave her her own company too she when they were the first party company i mean she had her own development studio for stadia before they google shut all that down so that's where she's coming from you know here her, her other so. studio didn't have a game the stadia studio no, no they no, never no. released a game and no i think because, she's had a couple studios that i think she doesn't she have a couple announcements where it was like working on something and just went away um, exactly my about her resume it's like what have you done maybe this is the stadia game well, if she, oh, I tell you where you're going to see a lawsuit. Uh, if, <laughs> if, if Haven is built off of Stadia intellectual property that was created under her original work contract, all hell is going to break loose. Your your channel will be uh, rocking that in those months. Google versus, that Sony, just Google versus Sony. Just Google versus Sony is going to be the biggest thing that I ever ever publish. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so I'm gonna we're gonna touch on Gran Turismo. I'm gonna save that. We did get an update, but uh, they've got updates coming to the game over the next few weeks. So we'll talk about it more at that point. But couple other kind of big game updates real quick to touch on is that Suicide Squad uh, has been delayed formally to 2023. I think many of us saw this kind of Did coming. any of us believe it was 2022? I don't know. Really. No. no. Uh, but uh, yeah, spring of 2023 and just your generic statement of we need more time to make it the game that we want it to be. Nothing nothing further there, but that's fine. Take all the time you need. Uh, you know, I'm We're going to go under to if you take all the time you need. I don't think if you released a game in eight years. So, you know, do do put something out. Steady has, yeah, they haven't released a game in a very long time now. Um, the the seemingly better news here, though, which I know uh, many of us are excited for, is Plague Tale Requiem. Uh, leaks <sighs> came out this week, and it was shared on the Xbox Store that this is launching on June 17th. So, uh, yeah, June 17th, only a couple months away. It is a Game Pass launch, so it's you know everyone's going to get a day one if you're a Game Pass member. And, they don't own uh, that company, do they? I mean, that's not theirs. No. Okay. No, no, no but they, were... they, the, the success of their first game was largely kind of dependent on Game Pass. Well, Plague Tale, to me, that's right in the Ninja Theory wheelhouse. I would not be at all surprised for an Xbox purchase. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's exactly the kind of company sure. that they like. And they talked about this that company is super talented, punching way above their weight. Like, that's, yeah, yeah they are. that's the Ninja, Ninja Theory. You're like, wow, you... you 18 people did this? Yeah, no, it's exactly... Plague Tale is... You talk about tone and narrative. That's nailing it. Yeah, Sobo was rumored a lot last year that Xbox was... Is that the name of their company? Sorry. (laughs) Um, This is great. And if you're an achievement hunter or whatever, you you don't mind spoilers, all the achievements are already leaked too. Everything's already out there. So uh, you can find it. I feel bad about that. Yeah, Yeah. I, I saw that. That's not good that stuff but june 17th is only a couple months away surprisingly i mean we're about to hit april as we're talking now which is nuts so uh and anyway boys next week with all these great releases we had this week next week we finally years later get lego star wars the skywalker saga is that is that next week that's next friday or that's this week uh friday friday as you're listening yeah yeah okay 
Yeah. Well, the last time we discussed this uh, particular product, Ains, we went we went on a detour. So I'll just Not say I'm looking there. forward to two thirds of it. Let's oh, go. Boy. <laughs> oh boy. I I I will say right now I believe this game is. I mean, people are really looking forward to this. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. People away. I'm telling you. I'm only the only concern I have at all is that even in the videos they've put up, there've been like I don't know VSync. Uh, some some stuff with performance. I I want to make sure that performance is fine, because you know I, I talked to you last week about the fact I was going to buy Rune Factory Five. My family loves those farming games, and I I watched it played. I'm like, nope, can't can't put up with that. Um, <laughs> so you know it, it didn't get purchased. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I it's the content, the amount of content in this game is going to shock people. It's a massive, massive game. Should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And if you're into steelbooks like I am, Best Buy pre-order has an amazing steelbook where it's basically Han in the Frozen uh, on the steelbook. So uh, check that out. It's cool. You got to uh, like affiliate permanent. links for that kind of stuff, Ains. So you got to get... <laughs> I sell more products by just doing videos and talking about them. I do actually. I had Pure Arts, the statue company, Pure Arts. They reached out to me on Discord a couple of weeks ago and I'm, I'm an affiliate for them now. They just gave All right. it. I didn't even ask. They just gave it <laughs> um so yeah i don't even promote it oh well whatever uh we we did get a question arvin singh says guys does anyone have any news about forza motorsport i tried gt7 didn't buy with me so i think i talked about this last week maybe on gt It'll be but, uh yeah forza yeah there, there's a little news it, it's definitely in play sessions already people have played it um it is uh i think it will i i tend to lean on the side of it releasing later this year so i would expect to see it soon from Xbox probably in their June, July showcase. And uh, yeah, you'll, you'll know about Forza soon. They sure. do that five, six month cadence with those regularly, don't they? I mean, like that's not unusual. Yep, no. that's they, they do the Bethesda model where they, they put it out six months before and then it, yeah. it goes out. Yeah, uh, and then AR reminded me that Weird West comes out this week, which if you- I am so pumped for Weird West. My friend worked on that. If You're you guys shit, like uh, it- you, You're kidding if you, me. If you guys like it, uh, let me know because um, I'm pretty close with one of the leads on that, that game. I am so. so pumped for Weird West. I listened to their entire GDC talk. I was so excited. It looks <laughs> if you haven't seen this game, check it out. Weird West. It it looks truly unique and fantastic and awesome. And uh, I hope it delivers on those promises. Um, well, it's, it's it's coming from the basis of an, an immersive sim. Uh, your your arcane studios type games. It's not first person. It's correct. It's like an isometric action RPG thing, but with the concepts of kill anybody and move your dialogue choices and have all this stuff just in a way that's more palatable for a smaller studio. Uh, so if you like that kind of thing, that's the promise they've put out there. I very much hope they achieve it, but I love supporting that kind of ambition. So Weird West, very excited. Yes, 100%. So uh, the games are rolling this year, boys. I mean, too man. many. Yeah, we've had some great. <laughs> no, not games. enough. <laughs> we've had some great times, great games. Um, but uh, anyway, that's going to wrap us up for this week. It's been uh, been a fun episode. We, <laughs> Hogue, we're definitely clipping some of those takes, my friend. Uh, hey, uh, I, that is totally fine with me. Bring the controversy. <laughs> People want to come and downvote me. I welcome it. And tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm an idiot. Subscribe, like, share. Tell your friends that there's this crazy idiot in the bottom right corner of this thing every Sunday at 11 a.m. And you can throw pies at me. We're going to get some maybe links up, some abilities to Venmo, PayPal, Ains. And you could just take your shots. It'll be fantastic. So I have absolutely no problem with that. 
Uh, I love these conversations. I'm so pumped that you said that Weird West is coming out this week. So I'm just in a kind of manic state. Oh, that brought you. Uh, that woke you right up. Revived him. I'm I'm excited. Uh, So no, absolutely. Clip those out. People can say what they will. Um, And I'm very enthused for Rockstar fans. If they love Rockstar more than me, that's good for them. No, and and that's that 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 is it, right? everyone has opinions you can like whatever you want to like and i i love and i know we keep saying this but i love the fact that we kind of the four of us don't all just sit here and agree and nod our heads and say the same thing that we're all saying you know what i mean i love i'm never accused of that (laughs) i love that we have different takes and different thoughts and and you know we we debate things it's fantastic so i love it um Coming this week uh, over on Season Gaming, so we've got the second ep- the second episode or part two of our RDNA 2 discussion on For the Record. That's actually up for patrons right now. It'll be live for everyone the end of next week. Uh, my interview with Khalif Adams, Spawn on Me, is live. Got a lot of good feedback. Reignited the Pizza Wars on Twitter this week, which was uh, a fun laugh. Uh, our is it really four- a war or a slaughter? That's my question. slaughter. Um we have our full review of the Steam Deck actually up on the site as well. Steve got his weeks ago. He gives you a full analysis. I'm so of- worried I'm going to miss that three-day email whenever they bother to send it to me. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, he gives you a lot of details, so check it out. He's uh, he's answering questions. He's on our Discord answering questions, so check that out. And then uh, we later this week, we should have our new big uh, Patreon monthly exclusive. There's been some scheduling, as you can imagine, but uh, that should come later this week, which will be really fun, really good one. So, uh, Rick, I'm going to start with you this week. Where can people find you? Absolutely. Well, people can find me most often at YouTube slash Hoaglaw, where I'm doing virtual legality. We did a bunch of fun stuff this week, including making angry every single Bungie fan on the face of the earth, seemingly. Uh, we had just an agitating week here in virtual legality, I think. We also had a fantastic interview uh, with Troy Levitt, who was one of the former lead developers of Hogwarts Legacy. If you're interested in any of that uh, lightly wow. political cancel culture, as he describes, and what that looks like and how he feels about games journalists, I do try to let him talk uh, about his feelings on the last year. So do check that out. I've got a lot of comments I uh, on that, that in the video. It's uh, it's a sensitive subject, but I'm really proud of it. Uh, really my first uh, long form kind of interview, 60 minute style. Uh, and I think it turned out really, really well. So do check that out. Otherwise you can follow my horrible takes uh, and various things about college basketball uh, on Twitter at Hoglaw as well. Sweet. Beautiful. Travis. Uh, yeah, if you want to find me, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, if you want to find me in person, you can find my home address on the ESA leaks from a couple years ago. Uh, <laughs> you can do that. That's pretty easy to get. Uh, um, yeah. And you can, you can uh, find me uh, on Thursdays at uh, 4 PM Pacific uh, on the last word, a, a YouTube channel where we do uh, we do show about destiny. Um, you can also read my reviews on IGN.com. Uh, this week I've got a review of uh, tiny Tina's wonderland. And then this week was also uh, GDC, the Game Developer Conference, which is located in San Francisco, which is the beautiful city in which I live, um, and uh, woo indeed. And um, I, I actually covered GDC for IGN since I'm in the neighborhood. It was easy. Uh, and uh, I, I am doing previews or recorded video of a few unannounced games that are going to be announced next week on Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. Ooh, that's and so, its own spoiler. That's fun. Yes, yes. So if you want to uh, hear what's going on in a smaller game developer and publisher world, um, I have got some surprises for you that uh, I'm working on over the weekend and that will be live, 
I think one of my previews is going to be live on Thursday morning, I think. And uh, I can't talk about what they are. The, yeah, yeah. the games haven't been announced yet, but they're, um, they're really cool. The stuff that I, that I got to see. So um, yeah, you can, you can watch all that coverage next week. And then uh, my next review is pending. Uh, I was supposed to review weird West, but I had a conflict as I just mentioned. So I couldn't, oh, you couldn't did, review yeah. that unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yeah, that review will be live next week. I, I've been talking to the guy who's reviewing it. So. Awesome. Cool. That's right. it. Good on you for flagging the conflict. Yeah, I got to do it. So. <laughs> I like that, Travis. And as always, you can find me and Dan and the rest of the SG crew at Season Gaming on Twitter or just visit the site. And there's uh, all of our details there as well. So thank you as always for tuning in to the big cast where we cover all things Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, and PC with technical and industry insight. And as always, uh, if you enjoy listening to the show, Help us out. Give us a five-star review, Spotify, Apple, et cetera, all of that stuff. Give us a like, comment. I mean, it really does help, guys. Uh, if you appreciate our conversations, appreciate the banter, appreciate the terrible takes, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. So um, until then, like we, <laughs> until then, we will see you next Sunday. Hope everyone takes care. Peace. <laughs>